this is Yemi's debut single. This guy has been in the studio. He ain't even shaved. He's got a beard. <laughs> That's how much he's been grinding and grafting in the studio. He was working in Tesco's mm. to get his first 1,000 pounds to pay for this song. And we're going to take this song in right now because he grafted, bang, drop bombs. This is his moment, bam, drop bombs. I want to see your energy, your singles on the text line. If you're feeling this, bam, drop bombs. And I press the play. That clip there is going to change the perception of everyone who who comes and finds it. Do you yeah. get it? You're when, gonna make when, me run to the studio right now. Hold <laughs> that bang. <laughs> Grow out your beard. For real. What's going on, world? Welcome to episode 67 of the Rhymes Like Dimes podcast with your boys, Peter. Yo. Mohammed. Yep. And myself, Yemi. And today we have a special guest, one of the most trusted voices in the music industry, DJ and broadcaster for BBC Radio 1 Extra, A&R exec for Parlophone Records, Oval Adult Person. We welcome Sian Anderson hey. to the pod today. Hey. Hey. How are you doing today? Yeah, man, I'm good. I've just come back from radio. So, you know, after radio, you're just like very charged up. Like, yes. So I have to like calm myself oh, calm down. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Well, I mean, the vodka's going to calm you down. <laughs> <laughs> it is not going to calm me down. Well, hopefully, hopefully it does. But yeah, thank you very much for coming through. Um, boys, how are we doing today? Yeah, man, all good, bro. How are you? Yeah, man, not bad. I mean, my voice is kind of all over the place right now, but hopefully it calms down as we start recording and we start talking. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, everything's good. Mohammed, yourself? I'm good, man. God is good all the time. All the time. All the time. God, God is good. Is good. Hey, man, I see you're rocking a nice white hoodie today. I lost weight. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing else to it. There's nothing else to it. I could fit medium now. Oh, God is good all the time. Talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every episode since like episode 50, you've been talking about you. Hey, man, look, man. I'm trying. No, listen, like, listen. The white is sw slimming, bro. Hey, if you're not proud of myself, I'm proud of me. Hey, we're, no, we're proud of you, man. We're proud hey, of you. Bro, I appreciate you. you man. I've known you, you, you for so long. Like you've always been a certain size, and now hey. you're here. Talk about it. What's that size? Hey, I can tell I mean, you what that size was. <laughs> I can tell you. It I was, was 18. It was stones. a little rotund. Hey, man, I was 18, 18 stones, fam. 17 and a half. It was a little rotund. I was big. You're a big guy. Hey, hey, man. But hey, man. You're here. We move. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Big up the Spotify crew. Big up the SoundCloud crew. The Apple Podcast crew, the Amazon Music crew, and the YouTube crew as well. Wherever you're watching, appreciate it. And wherever you're listening as well, appreciate it too. So we're going to get straight into it. Guys, what we've been listening to this week. I'll start with you, Cyan. Do you know what? I've been on a real R&B wave this week, you know? Jeez, talk about it. Yeah. Pete yeah, is in his man. bag oh, now. Yeah. Oh, Peter loves this. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're going to learn. This guy's an R&B head. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is yet. I've just been on like, you know, like Amalu, mm. Trust mm. Nobody. There was something about that song and I couldn't figure out what it was yet. And then I figured it out yesterday what it was that was drawing me to the song. And it's that when you listen to the song at first, you think she might be talking about a guy. Mm. But then something said to me yesterday, she might be talking about a label. Mm. So then I had to listen to it over and over and over again. And now I think she was talking about a label situation or like her team situation. I'm probably wrong. That's, <laughs> that's the beauty of music. Hey man. Yeah, man. The beauty of music. You can interpret art in the way you want it. Any which way you exactly. want, in it. Any which way you want. And then what's my guy's name? Lotto Ash, that give you song. Mm. I've got so many things that I would... Um, if I was in that session, that I would say to him. Yeah. But I wasn't in the session. <laughs> but the song is nearly a masterpiece. Yeah. 
So that song, I've been meditating on that song. SNE has got one song with Xavier Black called Bouquet. Mm. That song's crazy. His writing's crazy. He's mm. just too, too... I don't want to say underrated. It's not the right word, but he needs to get put out there more. Like mm. more people need to know. He kind of is underrated in a sense, but that's only because people don't know about him sort of thing. I think it's because he switched genres so many times. Yeah. So it's like, you can't feed, if I've come to you for grime, you can't then try and feed me R&B. Yeah. Mm. Or if I've come yeah. to you for rap yeah. and you feed me R&B, it's maybe not what I want. Maybe mm -hmm. I want you to get a singer to do the R&B side and you do the rap side. Yeah. So I think what happens is he gets an audience in like dance hall and yeah, they love him. And then he raps and they're like, we didn't ask for that. And he gets his audience in rap, then he does R&B and they're like, we didn't ask for that. Mm -hmm. And then he's got lots of different pockets yeah. of audiences. I think yeah, that's yeah. what's happened with him. Mm. But um, yeah, so I've been listening to like just the R&B stuff, like yeah. Cali Claire. Mm. Mm. That, mm, that's Very what's good. going on. Okay. That's my beef with some of these rappers. Like a lot of you just take on too much. Like you're trying to sing, give it to a singer. There's loads of singers out there. You could get on the phone, give you a hook, let it be done. But, but it's also it's sad because why should they not be able to do all the things that they can do? Because they're, they're not good at it. Because they're not good at it. Like who? You want to get to say any names? Aubrey. Oh, they're not good at it. No, yo, I like J. Jay Cole. I, like Jay I, I said Aubrey Jay fast. Cole. I can't like Aubrey. I like J. Cole singing. You like J. Cole singing? Yeah, a little nah. bit. Nah. A little bit. Nah. Never in life. I'm a Cole what fan. Is, what course. did she say? What did he sing? Um, that folding clothes song. Didn't I want, I want to fold clothes for you. I thought that was all right. And the neighbors think, nah, I was thinking about She Knows. That's what I was thinking about. She Knows. Skepta tries to sing, innit? She Knows. Yeah. No, that song bangs though. Oh, that song dirt. I can't like that song bangs. Maybe it's because when he's using the auto tune, it sounds like a lot worse. Did you see you were speaking about Skepta? Skepta tries to sing. He tried to sing on the um, was it the Golden Brown tune with Young Ads and Chip? Yeah. Yeah, keep that. I'm not just like to, that, nah, man. Respectfully. What, all right. What about Stormzy? Nah, nah. He was, he's in his bad news. Nah, no, no. I don't want to hear one of the worst. Nah. One of the worst songs Yo, I've ever heard. Don't do it. Me don't do it. Me um, don't please. Stormzy Crown. <laughs> Stormzy Crown is one of the How worst does Crown songs. Go again? <laughs> Um, exactly. No, <laughs> the, uh, it was a it was a commercial. It was a radio song before uh, the album. No, I know. It's in the back of my head. Yeah. All I know is heavy is the head that wears the crown. It's Heavy just, is yeah, the yeah. head that wears the crowd. Yeah, yeah, man. He had the choir harmonizing with him and he wasn't even harmonizing that well. Like, Was he there for Blinded by Grace? At least he tried, man. Blinded by Grace? Blinded by your he grace, Listen, though. listen. I, I can't knock the effort, but just know within yourself sometimes when it's just like... So yeah, sure, the music will take you, but don't let it take you to places that... You know <laughs> it's unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Don't let, don't let them have you like flying too close to the sun, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But we move. Yeah, Mohammed, what have you been listening to this week? Um, So after the last podcast where... I assassinated some of the UK artists. I thought, let me listen to the new man, because obviously you guys mm. thought I was wrong. So I took my time and listened to them. I listened to Tion Wayne's album, listened to Central's tape, and I listened to Benji Flows. Mm. Okay. Um, solid two out of three, weren't bad. One was very meh. Which one was that? Uh, Central's tape. Okay. The new really? tape. Yeah. But I don't know if it's an age thing at this point now. Mm. Do you How know old what is I mean? he anyway? He's what? Central? Yeah. I think he's a like what, 21? I 20, think he's early yeah. 20s. Okay. So I think it's just, uh, it's generally just the age thing where I might not get it the way I should. Like I don't see how it went number one with mm. it. No disrespect, salute to him, but that shit went number one off a mixtape. Mm. I don't get it. It was popular, popular tunes. Do you know what it's to go we number one off a mixtape though? Mm. For a UK black artist as well. We've just he started black. seeing number ones. Mm. Nah, as in, he's, I thought, what is he? I don't think he's black. He's not black. black. He looks like Latino or something. I don't know what he is still. All right, cool. For a hip hop uh, mixtape to go number one, have we seen that before? In the UK? Yeah. I don't think we have. I don't think so. Not a mixed up. That's so. crazy. But I mean, listen, man, we live in a new age of like streaming, social media, all of that like generated, all of that helped. We only haven't seen it because people started calling their mixtapes EPs though. 
True. True. Really, isn't it? Mm. True. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. That's that. not, not like as a yeah. No. 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 One thousand percent. One thousand. Bodies of yeah. work that are like longer than seven tracks that have been like slid into the EP mm. phase. Yeah. That really, yeah. if you would have just called it a mixtape, would have charted. Yeah. We know what. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Very but true. But Sench is clever because really, why have you released a mixtape? You you industry standards at this mm. point you would release an EP naturally mm. so I think they know what they're doing yeah, 100% he's got a good team over there I like Benzie's side though no is he, oh, he's independent he's independent fully independent yeah, 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 yeah. yeah still big, big bidding wars on that one there oh wow I'll salute to him then it's gonna be big money as well especially now I don't think he'll sign if you're gonna stay independent I think so when you're making that much money what would you sign for the only thing you would sign for is international and it seems like he's getting that already hmm and Fully. if you're gonna sign for international, you would sign internationally. <laughs> you wouldn't sign yeah. here for an yeah. international yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would go and sign over there. Over there. Yeah. I don't think he will. I think he's just running rings around everyone, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. I, love it. I don't think he needs to. To be honest with you, I think he's alright. Mm. Like, what's the point? I think everyone gets to a point where they need to. You reckon? Yes. I think what would it give a him? A lot of artists right now that need to sign. <laughs> need to <laughs> because though. they they are not going to elevate until they get that team. But the central need that though. You reckon? At some point. At some point, but I think it also depends on what you're trying to do, because mm -hmm. not every artist wants to be that, you know what I mean, like over the top, like super, like big. Some people okay. just, some people, I think some artists are just happy with creating their art, having it critically acclaimed, and not necessarily having the status with it. I think a lot of artists want their music to reach as many people as possible, and with that, sometimes labels are the way to make that happen. Yeah, but then labels can also dilute the art as well. In so, what way? Um, I think when you sign, you're more there's more pressure to make a song that connects with like a wider audience. Whereas if you're not signed, you can kind of do what you want to do and express your art the way you want to express it. I think there's a lot more pressure when like, a label's involved because they need to like recoup. They need to make money off their investment. Whereas if you're independent, there's I don't think there is that. It's all on you to remake what you invest in yourself. Science contemplate. I know, right? <laughs> no, you know what? There's a lot. You said three different points that I wanted to jump in on and they're all kind of three separate points mm. okay. that can, I guess, be argued for the label, but I'm not trying to argue for no label, so. As you have it, like. It is what it is. It is what it is, isn't it? Right, like, I'm okay. sure we'll end up back on the conversation later on. Okay. Um, oh, for sure. I have, yeah, I have my thoughts on, on both of those. On two, yeah, definitely two out of the three things you said there. I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> 100%, 100%. But Mo. Um, That's about it. The, the Tion, the Benji, the Centrals. Mm -hmm. You liked Benji, right? Yeah, I like Benji's tape. I liked I'm Tion. surprised you like that, man. Hey, what can I say? There's growth in me. Because um, you're not really into Jiggy music. I say, I said there's growth. He's Jiggy. He very much likes jiggy, his, his hood music. Let's not yeah, do, do that. Let's mean? not do that. Stop putting me in this box. You, you are in that box. No, I'm not. Stop putting me in that hood box. I'm sorry. I'm trying to escape. Triggered. He's Hello. Like, <laughs> no, because it's been it's a consistency now in this in this terms that we're using. But you consistently prove us right, bro. It's only now you're not. Hey man, I like Benji's tape. And I like Tion. Right, cool. And I like Tion. Tion's one was good as well, actually. Tion's one surprised me. Mm. No, Tion's, Tion's good album. Tape. Yeah, I fucked with Tion's album. Hear that, bro. Pio? Um, I've been listening to Koji's new album. That shit is fire, man. I was actually quite surprised. Because I think we discussed him before and like where he was gonna take his art and whether he could go as far as he has gone with what he has made. I think um, aligning with Swindle's done him like the world of good, man. Like Swindle handling the production and like, I guess, helping to direct him in a certain path. Yeah, man. That's that's Swindle's a match a made. Boy. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a bad boy. Um, so I've been listening to that. And then just, just Benji's 
album as well. Like, that shit's like, very, very fire. So those, those two, between those two, that's all I've been listening to this like, past week and a bit. Yeah, that. What about you? What have you been listening to? Me? I haven't been listening to much rap, to be honest. Um, I've been listening to a lot more jazz. Um, and some, <laughs> and some, and some ambient as well. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, I was expecting, I was expecting an ooh there. As well. <laughs> um, so on the jazz front, I listened to um, Steam Down's EP Five Fruit, mm. um, which was alright. It wasn't, I wasn't too crazy on it to be fair. I think they were trying to do too much, um, as far as like outside instrumentation that wasn't really in line with what I wanted to hear. But you know, it was a good effort. Um, they're definitely good live as well, as we, as mm-hmm. we knew, as we found out. So shout out to Steam Down. I listened to um, a group called, a duo, a Japanese duo called Salamander. They released an a, a album last year called Sphere, which is like the more kind of ambient, chill kind of vibes, which is really, really good. Um, and on the rap front, um, apart from Koji, which I thought was really good as well, I listened to an EB, EP by uh, an artist called, wait for it, Jungle Pussy. <laughs> what? Okay. Called JP5000. Um, Probably the best EP I've heard all year so UK? far. No, 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 America. Okay. Um, very, very dope. The production is kind of like that kind of Griselda alchemist type thing, and she's just flowing all over it. Really, really dope. It's like twelve minutes, but it's just very, very, very dope. Mm. So um, shout out to her, and shout out to all the other artists as well. No, where did Yemi find these artists, bro? You know, used to find Jungle. Yemi's gonna listen to artists called Jungle. I'm a digger, man. You know, Jungle. I've seen her on Twitter. Like, I've actually seen her name on Twitter. Oh, for real? Yeah, we used yeah. to. I was like, oh, I've seen this person before. I know. Like, I've put a face to that. Yeah, name. I first heard of her in 2018. Um, she released an album. I think it was JP3, um, and I missed everything else that she was doing up until I found that she did an EP this year. And yeah, man, she's really good. For if you want, I don't want to call it alt. But it's outside of the mainstream consciousness. Let's mm. just say it's not necessarily underground either. But yeah. it's like good old female rap, basically. Okay, so I'll check it out. Yeah, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you reckon I'm gonna, li- I'm gonna like it? Um, I think you will. To be fair, yeah, then I'll check it out. What's the harm? Write it down. Yeah, check it. He doesn't need to write it down. He knows. What's it called? Yeah. What's it called? JP five thousand. JP five thousand. He's like, just gonna say. Why you gonna say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, JP five thousand. No, he needs to write it down sometimes. Sometimes like a nice <laughs> You think he's gonna forget Jungle Pussy? He, yeah, he I'm not gonna. Gets, I'm not gonna forget Jungle Pussy. He forgets things. Nah, JP five thousand. That's a powerful name. Solid name. Solid. Sound like a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Alright, cool. Alright, I expect you to report back then. I definitely am. And if it's a whack, you're gonna hear it. But salute to her. <laughs> Safe. Alright, cool. So, Cyan, once again, thank you very much for coming through. Um, we kind of want to take this time to kind of dig into your kind of journey through this industry. But first, how did you get into uh, hip hop and just UK rap and all that stuff generally? Um, just completely by accident, to be honest. I don't think I consciously knew I was like in hip hop or UK rap until I was like real, real far ahead in it. Um, I went to a place called Live Magazine, which was like a social enterprise. And I just went there because my friend said that he was interviewing um, celebrities down there. Like he was saying he was interviewing Trey Songs. I was like, I want to do that. So he took me to this place and I met Chantal Fiddy, um, big journalist you're probably aware of. Salute to her. Yeah, she um, kind of took me under her wing and was like, yeah, we make this magazine here. Like, and I was really good at English and it was a good environment. So I used to just write for the magazine. And then she would bring me to like Skepta shows, Kano shows to do reviews and stuff. And I just really found that I enjoyed that world. Um, it brought me out of the world that I was in when I was 15, which wasn't a great one in terms of what I was doing with my time and where I decided to apply myself on the streets of South London, <laughs> <laughs> South East London in particular. Gang, gang. So I just ended up writing for other publications and it would all be about like what was going on in the streets. like. 
you know, I remember writing about um, P Money, Little D and Blacks. They had um, mixtapes coming out at the same time. Mm. And I used to write about them. And then people used to hit me up and be like, oh, how do we get in contact with like these guys? And I'll be like, just go south to the block for a store. They're there. And then they'd be like, well, can Can't I come with you? That. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, d- we're writing an article. Do you have a picture? And I'd be like, no. And then I'd just like holler my friend and be like, mm. oh, go take a picture. And they'd be like, oh, do you have this and that? So I'd just like connect them to people. And then I became known as like their PR. And so then I looked after like quite a few people um, in different spaces. So like even at Random Impulse, um, who is completely different to like, you know, what P Money and Blacks and Little D doing grime. Like mm. he was at the time they would, they was calling him alternative. He was rapping, he had a guitar, like they, they wasn't calling it the same, you know, the same genre. Um, and it wasn't really until I think I got, me and Julie at Danuga, she, she, we used to roll like hardcore. We submitted a demo to Vince FM one time. I don't know if they ever, ever heard it, but just the way the world works, they, they ended up invited, uh, inviting us onto Scratch's Breakfast Show. And we went on there. And then after that, like people started to talk about like, you know, who are these girls and what do they do? And then I got boxed into, oh, you know, she's a journalist, she's a PR, she's a radio presenter. And then people started asking me questions about, you know, my relationship to grime, my relationship to hip hop. And then that's the first time I really had to think about it. Mm. So I was probably like, you know, 17 years old. And I was being asked questions about something that was very subconscious to me. You know, you just, you just live it. Like people yeah. would say to me, oh, so how come you like grime? And I think, I just like grime. But then when I, when I look deeper into it, like I'll remember like my first experience, that like conscious experience was when my brother was upstairs and he li- was listening to radio sets, radio sets, radio sets. And it used to really bug me because it used to shake the house mm. and it was all drum and bass. And it was like, what is this? Like, I don't want to hear it. And then one time I heard Ch- Chopper and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then I ran upstairs and I was like, what's this one? Mm. And then I was, that was it. That was my tune to mm. get. And then he used to spit over like the tunes when he listened to sets and whatever. And I used to think, oh my God, so, like, this is sick. And I, said, I proper liked it. And then he moved out. So then I didn't have an experience with, with music. Yeah. Um, like that, I then was like, I guess I'd say like, you know, like all the old school, early hip hop and R&B, like all of that and then Channel U, but I didn't have Sky. So what would happen is I'd go to school and everyone would be talking about whatever the song was and they'd all be singing along to it and performing. Then I'd pick up the song and the lyrics from them. Mm. So before I'd ever heard the MP3 of the song or the video, I knew the song Mm. because all my friends always rap along with the songs. It was very strange. Very (laughs) backwards. Imagine you know all the words, but you've never heard the song. (laughs) Then you first time you hear the song, you're like, oh my gosh, and you see the video, etc. So it was a lot of very early, like 90s, um, kind of hip hop R&B tunes. Like I remember we did the Moulin Rouge as a dance for school, <laughs> the little Kim version. Like if you've seen that, that video was whatever. iconic, man. <laughs> and we did it as a school dance. I'd never heard the song before, yeah. but I didn't tell anyone. I'd never heard the song because it's embarrassing. <laughs> I don't have Sky. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. then the next one we did was Peaches and Cream, the mm. remix. Oh, right. Like so I again hadn't heard the song until we they brought it in on the little cassette into the dance class, mm. and then we had to practice to it. So I just kind of um, consciously knew about like you know, hip hop, R&B, not so consciously knew where my love for like MCing and kind of grime came from. Mm. And then when I started going to Live Magazine, I started kind of putting the pieces together of, you know, what this is, what this genre is, where it comes from, why I love it. And then now here we are today, like I've, I have a job from it. Mm. I mean, very, very interesting. I mean, obviously your references as far as like finding the songs via your friends and all that is obviously different from someone who might have been able to see Chaniyu and all that. Mm. Um, you mentioned Rinse. Um, mm-hmm. With Rinse, did you then go on to work with them? Yeah, so yeah. we did. Um, we did a breakfast show with Scratcher and then they was like, oh, we like you. Come and 
do the radio. And I remember Julie always thinking it was such a big deal. The day that we recorded the demo, we recorded it on a on her phone, and then we put it on her laptop, and then we went on Gary's band, and then she put tunes in against our links. And then she submitted it. And I just remember thinking at the time, this girl just knows how to do everything. Like, I like I worked at McDonald's for one month to afford my first iPhone. Mm. But when I got the iPhone, I didn't know how to use Garage Band and this and that. I didn't have a MacBook. Like, yeah. she, she was doing doing a madness. But obviously, you're a JME sister. You've got all the techers. You know how to do yeah. everything, innit? Mm-hmm. So I just remember being astounded by the fact that she was able to like, just piece together us chatting shit. Yeah. And then to submitting it to something that just ended up being cool. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, Ritz FM, this, that, the other. So I was like, cool, I was just going with the flow. And we went on rinse and I remember everything was brocked down all the time. And I think Scream Show was the night before ours. We was like 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And I think it was Scream that was Saturday night. We'd come in in the morning. Sometimes there wouldn't even be someone to let us in. We'd come in, there'd just be beer cans everywhere, pizza boxes everywhere. There's just a madness in there. Then we'd try and turn things on, nothing's working. Then she would be like, Julie would be like, let me call them to sort it out. And then a man would come and he'd be under the desk that sorting things out and later on I learned that that was genius mm-hmm. I didn't know genius so when things used to happen and it used to be like destroy and rebuild genius is getting rid of people and everyone was scared of genius all mm-hmm. I knew is everyone was scared of genius I had no idea that the brother that was fixing things for us all the time mm-hmm. was this genius guy mm-hmm. so we'd built a relationship because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. our saving grace you always come mm-hmm. and save us and yes amazing and Julia never called him G so I didn't put the two, two things together mm. because you're the man, you're the maintenance man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we've slash built a good found, relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've built a relationship yeah. because you're you're this guy. Yeah. So I'm not scared of you. You're the maintenance <laughs> man. <laughs> so when I, when I said to when I managed to piece things together, and I was like, oh, she, like you're a genius. Like it was at the Rinse FM rave. And that's fabric. That's when I really realized what Rinse FM was because I'd gone from being in a room this size doing radio with Julie, we used to drop off air sometimes and was anyone really listening or mm. except for our friends? Like was, you know, we didn't really know what was going on. Mm. Went to a Rinse of Femme at Fabric, you know, the queues down the bottom of the roads, like yeah. it's mad. Like mm. I think it starts at like midnight, finishes at 6 a.m. Like whatever, I've gone in there. Then I've just seen the magnitude of the station, like just the amount of followers, fans that they have as a station, mm. all the DJs that come out for them, like, that was the day I realized, oh my God, this is a big deal. Like mm. they've got mad power. Mm. They've got all these people out. What was what's Fabric's capacity? Like 5,000 or something mad something like, like that, yeah. between all the rooms. Mm. Something mad anyway, I was thinking, oh my gosh. And then people knew who I was. And I was like, yeah, you're the girl, you did that show with Julie. Oh my God, your emotional wheel off thing makes me laugh. Da, da, da. And I was thinking, oh my gosh. And then like, that's when I really understood Rinse is the station. Yeah. This is the underground station. You are genius. You're the guy that everyone's scared of. <laughs> We're Bredgins now. <laughs> this is lit. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Around what year was this? Oh, I, I can't even remember what year. So I've been at BBC now. I'm going to say eight years. I had a year out and then I was at Rinse five years before that. So I was like, I want to say I was like 19, 18, 19. I'm 31 now. So it was it was early on. Oh, okay, so we've been like oh nine, ten. Yeah. Around the time like the kind of scene generally was still kinda doing all right. Everyone was kinda doing like the poppy stuff. Yes. Like, tiny and tinny. Yeah, so it was the time when yes, it was the time when Tinji Shadow was doing pop. <laughs> like it was that time. I do remember it being What like a that. time, boy. <laughs> what, what a time. <laughs> I do you remember that? So how did all that lead to then, you know, your current position at the BBC and Parlophone and stuff like that? How did that happen? Uh I think just like lots of different legs of things came into one you know they say like have five income streams i accidentally had that Hmm. without realizing not to say everything paid me because on roots you would have to pay subs but i had my hand in five different pies so i was doing um scouting for i love live 
um, I was working at an organization for Christian Aid called Control Alt Shift with Chantel. I was still working at Live Magazine. I was obviously on Rinse FM and then I was a journalist. So my hands was in all these different pies, mm. really to just keep me busy and because I loved what I was doing. But when you kind of bring all that together and say like, well, there's this one person that's doing all this stuff, it's a sexy proposition for a major label or, mm. a, you know, someone who wants to hire the, the new young, mm -hmm you know, hot person that's gonna come and yeah. light up your yeah, yeah. company and make it sexy and jazzy and cool. Yeah. So I did, um, I met Ed Sheeran and then we put together the collaborations number five project. And obviously that went, blew up, was huge. Um, he'd like met a load of A&Rs and stuff. He went to um, Island Records, basically said that they'd had a single, that he won a competition and they were gonna release a single. So he was like, cool, go into Island and find out what this is all about and what we're gonna do. So I went in and they was like, oh, you're gonna get like a picture taken of him against the wall. There was literally just like no budget for clothes. There was no photographer budget really. It was just someone from their team that was going down to do it. Mm. Whatever, the whole thing just sounded really like floppy in it. It's just like, they could see that he's doing something. So now they've said, oh yeah, this competition that we've done, come and release with us. And so I went back home, he was staying with me at the time and he was like excited, like, so cool, is it gonna be good, whatever? And I was like, no, it's not. Like, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like, it doesn't seem like the end thing. Mm. So he was like, bro, okay, cool. So then he started having meetings with other people as collaborations was being recorded and as it was, songs was coming out and it was doing its thing. And um, he decided that he wanted to go to Atlantic Records. And I went in there to give them a handover. So here's all the information about the project that we've put together so far. At this point, the project was like fighting Rihanna in the charts. Like it was mm. doing bits, yeah. So I went over to give them a handover. They said, do you want a job? do you want to come in and actually carry on the campaign? And I thought about it and I said no, but I said no because I didn't I didn't like the building. Nothing wrong with the building itself, but when I walked into that environment, I didn't feel like it was for me. Mm. So I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'll be able to do my friend justice here because I don't understand this corporation. Like I, I don't get it. And I don't even want to trial and error with him. Yeah, I yeah. think he's going to be a global superstar. <laughs> so thank you, but no thank you. So it was like, at least let's pay you for the work you've done so far. I said, nah, it's cool. This is my bridging. Mm. I don't need the money oh, for it. They was insistent. Now, years later, I understand why they was insistent, but they was insistent. They paid me some money. It was my first big check from music. At the time. It was like 1,200 pounds. It wasn't like, mm. but at the time I was making 200 pounds here, 200 pounds there. Yeah, yeah. It was my first chunk yeah, of yeah, money. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. that ain't that and much then, money in music as well. So. Right, and then, so I, I then became known as like, um, like the girl that did Ed Sheeran in it. So yeah. everyone wanted to, to call me for meetings because they wanted the Ed Sheeran yeah. campaign. That's what they wanted on their artists. Mm. So I found myself in loads of label meetings. And then on the flip side, obviously I'm at Rinse FM. Everyone's loving the show. I'm learning how to DJ now as well. Spyro's teaching me, Elijah and Skilliam are teaching me. Everyone's trying to teach me how to DJ. DJ Swerve, I was doing his press. He gave me decks in exchange for doing his press. So I was learning on vinyl and I was still writing as a journalist. So my brand as like a spokesperson of music was building up, building up, building up. And the BBC kept hollering, can you come in for a demo? Can you come in for a demo? Me and Julie went into the BBC, the old building. We, as soon as we got in, we got in a lift, the doors opened, we walked into the main floor and we just looked at each other and we knew it was not happening. Mm. You know, like we knew it was dead, like it was no way. Yeah. So we did the demo because we liked the woman. Um, shout out Emma Stevens. She produced my show today, actually. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> um, but we was like, nah, like, we did the demo. I still got the demo on my laptop for strokes. And then we left there. We didn't ever talk about it. Mm. Like me and Julie never spoke about it. We didn't come out and be like, rah, so that was 
this or that or the other. Mm. We come out and we're like, cool, Nando's. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we grabbed the food. Like, we yeah, didn't yeah, discuss yeah. it again. Like, so when they called to come back in, I was just like, no, nah, I'm all right. Like, like I'm cool. And then a couple of years later, they called again, and I was like, no, nah, I'm cool. But what had happened on rinse was, I got to a point where I looked around at the DJs that I respected. So you say you got Maximum on there. He's Boy Better Knows DJ. You've been on Rinse for 10 years as Boy Better Knows DJ. Spyro, you're Tinchy Shadows DJ. Mm. You've been on Rinse for 10 years as Tinchy Shadows DJ. So everyone was someone's DJ. Yeah. And it was on Rinse and they'd been there for like 10 years. And I thought to myself, is this what you're going to do? Are you going to sit here for 10 years? Mm. Not in an offensive way, yeah, yeah. but is that what you're yeah, going to yeah, do? Yeah. Like, is that what your yeah. plan is? Like, what are you, you going to be P Money's DJ and then just sit here for 10 years? Mm. Is that what you want to do? Then I thought, oh my God, I don't know. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Then I was, but you know when you get a thought in your head? I couldn't stop thinking about it after that. So then, I, and they split me and Julie's shows up. We had different shows at this point. And I was like, raw, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And then I said, actually, I need to, I'm Scorpio in it, so I'm mm. all or nothing. Gang. I'm all or nothing. Mm. Yeah. So it's, I have, like, and I, I'm, I have a self-destruct button. Mm. So I have to leave this situation <laughs> now because now I'm not sure about the situation. Yeah. I have to leave and then see how I feel. Mm. But because of my relationship with Sarah at the station and Genius at the station and everyone at the station, I knew if I left and didn't like the world outside, I would be able to come back. The door mm. was always open. Yeah. They understood where I was at in my head. Everyone's talking about Sian Anderson. These people want this Ed Sheeran campaign. These people want that, da, 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 BBC, Hollywood, all this stuff's going on. I don't know that I necessarily like any of it, but I need to step out and then reassess mm -hmm. and then um, at the same time that rinse fm went legal so the reasons why i didn't want to go to the bbc was like oh the music's gonna be censored and everything's gonna have to be clean mm. you won't be able to have all these mcs in for sets and this that mm. and the other like yeah. you know it's gonna be mad professional then mm. then rinse went legal and then i had to clean all my songs and like the guests weren't allowed to come in without this, that, the other. And I was like, oh my God, you're BBC now. <laughs> did it kind of lose, lose its essence? It didn't. In my head, it did. In my head, it would, you're now the same. Yeah. So why yeah. should I not go so there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I left the station and then about six months later, the BBC called me. So I come in and they said, can I do? They had this thing called, uh, what was it called? Like, I feel like it was, it was called something anyway. They used to give a slot to just anyone that they liked. Um, I think it was like every Monday, mm. but it was like the last people that had done it was like Etta Bond, like it was like artists had kind of come and done it, done rotation shows and whatever. And there was like, oh, do you want to come and do that? And I was like, no, because what is that? Because mm -hmm. I'm going to be on air for eight weeks once a, yeah. once a week and then what? It's like, no, I don't want to do it. Then it was like, okay, cool. Do you want to come in and do some depth shows, cover shows for people? So I was like, cool. And then I said, turn around, I said, you know what, actually, just give me a show. Because mm. I, don't, I don't know what this is. Like, give me a show or don't give me a show. Because they they put me through some process where the show that Diplo currently has, or I think he just stopped it, that show was up. And so they was looking for people to do it. and But they had to be very, like, um, everything was hush-hush about it. So oh, we put you forward for a show. We can't tell you who mm. else is on the show. We can't tell you what slot it is. We can't tell you anything, but here you're doing bare demos for mm -hmm. it. Then they called me one day and it was like, so it was between you and one other person. Sorry to say, you didn't get the show. It went to Diplo. Then I thought, it's between me and Diplo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's Speaking, oh my G. That's, yeah, hey. that's up. Yeah, that's Speaking, big. That's big. Between me and Diplo. I said, yeah, no, nah, you got to give me a show now. You got to mm -hmm. find space for me mm -hmm. somewhere or don't. Or don't Clear really the schedule. Yeah, like <laughs> find a space. So then they was like, it, it was a lot of back and forth in it because I should, th like there's this thing where you should feel grateful in it. Mm. For opportunities that are coming your way you should take whatever's handed to you but there's also self-respect mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, my self-respect comes above the, 
how I feel about the opportunity you're trying to give me and like I need a show and know your worth as well yeah that's what I just said you know your worth yeah like you know I need a show and get a show I can't be yeah dibbing and dabbling between like give me a show or or don't give me a show so they was like I'll come and do I think I had to do 10 hours learning how to work the desk and then they were then they saw that I could work the desk because it was very different to rinse FM setup very different and then obviously they gave me a show but both things was happening at the same time the Ed Sheeran thing and the radio journey was happening at the same time. So at the same time at which I kind of went to the tipping point of ending up on the BBC was the same point at which I then accepted like my first label job proper. Mm. Um, I had done uh, Tinchy Strider's street team before because I wrote an article about Tinchy Strider and his press team were like, this was a bit scathing. Can you come in and meet with us and talk about what, like how you really felt? And, and that, which I thought was amazing. Like, scathing in what way? Um, so I wrote a review about like, um, went to a bigger fish show mm. and I wrote a review and Tinchy Strider performed and I just said like these songs were strong these songs weren't mm. his performance was weak in these areas you know he could do better in this area mm. I just wrote a review but then the PR was like no this is good intel like mm. this is really good intel it's like come in meet with us and then that's when I first met um, Twin B because mm. he was at Ireland before and he was like yeah, tell me what you think. What, what do you think she needs? So he's mm. a street team. Mm. These people to actually go out there and this, that, the other, and the third. And he was like, cool. Go what year was it. this? What, what era is this? This was uh, in my system, just before in my system. Okay. Um, so it was his pop era. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's why it was scathing. Because yeah. I was coming there like, this is Tinch Shadow, Tings yeah, and Boots. Yeah. And you're singing, <laughs> number one. Uh. <laughs> but I'm also, end up his biggest fan. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, I can see both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can. So I think that's why they respected it. Yeah. So I had that mean, they said, go and run Tinchy Shadow Street Team. Then so I was like, fine. They was like, we'll pay you. But it wasn't my first music check because they've got a system called Uniport at Universal where you never oh, get paid. <laughs> Uniport, man. <laughs> you never get paid. You get paid off for like a year. It takes yeah. so long. I'm still waiting. Yeah, it takes so long. So yeah. my first check ended up being the, the um, Atlantic Records one, but that should have been my first check and first my label job. So I did that and then they kept me on to do KIG's Street Team. And then I was just a street team person. Mm. But again, just, you know, you just fall into things. Yeah. And then, yeah, cool, I'm here. And everything kind of happened simultaneously on the radio side, broadcasting side, and on the label side. I accepted a job at Warner. Um, I, my role was made up, promotions coordinator. Um, and it was literally, we've got this artist and this artist, we need the Ed Sheeran. Whatever you've done with him, do it with them. Mm. And put you on a six month retainer. And then like the six, and I was so, I was so, listen, I don't know, I didn't know anything about labels yet. So after the six months, I was like, okay, bye guys. Like, <laughs> and they're like, where are you going? Like, like, My contract's ended. They're like, let's just renew it. Speak to yeah. HR, like, we'll just get renewed. It's going to re-up. Then when I speak to HR, they're like, cool, so we're going to double your salary for the next six months. Um, and I'm like, okay. Then that six months came up, I was like, bye guys. And it was like, you're not getting it, are you? Like, <laughs> we're going to keep re-upping. We're going to yeah, keep so re-upping. Like after two yeah. years, I was on like two grand a month or something. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, this is money. Now I'm at the BBC and I'm earning there now too. I'm like, raw, like, this is money. And then HMRC hit me like four years later. And ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I swear to you, I didn't know. I didn't have a clue what HMRC yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And then one day they rang me and they shattered me for four years. Man. Oh, man. Oh. Years. I owed them like seven, I think it was 72 bags. Bruh, <laughs> they came chasing. I, I was earning from 16, yeah. from Live Magazine, this, yeah, that, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea. No yeah. one told me. Yeah. No one, not one person. That's how they get you though. They, they no leave it for four me. years. There's a whole drag freelancer in that space. Yes. Yeah. Then they hollered me when I was about 22 or something. And it was like, you've been making money since 16. 
What are we saying? And, yeah, what are you saying? And so from <laughs> the age of 22 to 24, I had to have a job mm. because I had to pay them back. It was like three grand a month for about two years. It was mm. crazy. So all my money went to that. As soon as I paid off that HMRC debt, I quit Atlantic Records. So I went to Warner Records and I went to Atlantic. Mm. I quit because I was like, I've been working just to pay off this debt for years. I don't want a job. I don't yeah. want to see nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out. And then I got pregnant. So... Mm. <laughs> more than more than answers um just on the rinse bbc kind of like comparison like you mentioned like the differences as far as the way it's kind of set up mm-hmm. what were kind of the summer were some of the kind of like not maybe culture shocks but like some of the main differences that you saw between rinse and bbc where you're like raw this is like i didn't expect this sort of thing mm, it wasn't as shocking to be honest, as you'd think, it's just that there's a lot more compliance. Like, there's a lot more compliance and a lot more due diligence. Like, with with Rinse, you don't come and mess around in Rinse because you're scared of genius. Every DJ, presenter, artist, manager doesn't want to piss off genius. Hmm. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They don't want to piss off genius, so nothing goes on in there. At the BBC, it's not, oh, maybe they don't want to piss off the BBC, so they're not going to come and do X, Y, Z. no. You're going to write your name down, all your guests' names. You're going to take a picture at security. Mm. You're going to get escorted upstairs. You're yeah. not allowed to like, it's, yeah. there is no room for error yeah. there, mm. which is not a bad thing. It's actually not a bad thing. Um, and then call on mic. You're not allowed to swear or you can swear, but it gets edited out after. But like I said, rinse was like that as well at the point that I left. Um, so there wasn't culture shocks like that. Mm. I was lucky as well. When I started my Wednesday night show, I had a producer called David and he understood grime. Mm. He understood it. He'd grown up on it too. So if I'm saying, oh, I want to get Prez T in, he's like, cool. And he'll go off and make it happen. Mm. He knew what I was talking about. And I was fortunate because now that I've been in the system for a longer period of time, I'm now aware that if I had had any other producer, my show would not have gone like that at all. I didn't know the amount of work he was putting into the show because no one told me mm. how much work they was doing. Yeah. I didn't know the process in it. So I'm saying, I want this person, they'll go off and get them. I would say, I want to do this, that, or the other. They'll go off and make it all happen. I just turn up and do it. Mm. But actually now that I've been there for like many years, I understand it's supposed to be a balance. It's supposed to be a balance mm. between me bringing people to the table yeah. and doing a percentage of the work instead of just turning up and broadcasting or turning up and DJing and then them doing a percentage of the work. Whereas at Rinse, it was like, started as just me and Julie doing our thing. Then we had a producer who then took the ball. Ollie from Radar was mm. my producer, which is another funny story, but they would do the bulk of the work. So it wasn't co- like culture shock in my show. Outside of my show was very shocking. Mm. And it's not, it's not, so much the establishment is the people in the establishment. It's like, if you're working on a Gram show, but you don't know Gram, how are you going to do this? Mm. If you're working on an R&B show and that's not your area of expertise, how are you going to do it? So maybe some, the, what was shocking was that some people that was working on some shows wasn't necessarily well equipped for that show. With it. That's where kind of issues start to arise, but I'm quite vocal to, like in making sure that it doesn't happen to me or when it happens to me, it's limited. For um, sure. But I don't think it's as culture shocking as you would expect. No. I hear that. So what's the biggest, like, in your mind, what's the biggest misconception that people might have about, like, radio presenters or radio broadcasters? What, just in general? Yeah. Um, that is easy. I think people think it's easy to go and pick up the mic. You know, people think spray. that? I think people yeah. think that. <clears throat> I, I think, think people, people think, think they that. can just get up and present. Mm. 
I think we definitely think that. <clears throat> Which is why there are that's so many podcasts. Yeah, that's why, exactly. <laughs> that's why everybody's trying to do it. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's radio or podcast, like everyone thinks that it's easy because you can just talk to a mic and that's all good. But, yeah. you know, speaking for someone that I didn't even do live radio, but I did radio for Represent a, a little bit, like a few years ago. And I was pre recorded, and even that was stressful. Mm. And I realized then how much work goes into it as far mm-hmm. as like finding the tracks. And we had to scrub the tracks ourselves as well. We had to mm-hmm. like, edit, edit the track, clean them up, and all that. So mm-hmm. I very much get it. And like before COVID, I would allow people to come in to see what I do in terms of like with arts, can they shadow me or they want they're interested in being a presenter, can they come and see what I do? And then when they're sat in the studio with me and there's like, you know, three computers in front of me that I need to work, one to the right of me that I need to work, two desks to my left and right and one in front of me and I'm working towards the time, mm. they're looking at me like, how are you doing this? <laughs> what on earth? Like, yeah. And then I've got 10 pieces of paper in front of me as well and a schedule and then the news comes every half hour. They're like, what is going on here? And then like, you know, there's scenarios where you might drop off air. Mm. You need to be able to talk yourself out of a field. If I drop off air right now, I don't know how long it's going to take for you to get me back on air in terms of, I guess, like the, the desk not working. Mm. So if, if my desk stops working and that drops off air and it's only moved my mic, could take 30 seconds, could take 60 seconds, could take a minute, could take two minutes. I have to be able to keep the listeners entertain yeah, 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 yeah. for that matter. And that is not easy. Not easy. Yeah. That is not an easy thing to do. Like I always say as a presenter, you have to be able to talk yourself out of a field, like be in an empty field, no way out. You have to hold that microphone mm. and talk your way out of it. You have to. And it's just, yeah, it's genuinely not easy. And I think what I learned when I got to the BBC is I was a presenter, not a broadcaster. Um, and now I'm a broadcaster. What's know? the difference? Like broadcast. Like presenter is you pick up the mic and you speak. Mm. You know, broadcast is you can talk to time. Mm. So if they say you know, talk for eight seconds, you can talk for eight seconds. If they say talk for eight seconds and then press this button and then turn down this fader, mm. you know, you can do that. If they say, here's a script and this is the tone we need you to read the script in, mm. you can do that. So if someone from the royal family passes away, for example, there's a tone mm. that I need to speak in. I need to leave a second gap mm. between one instrumental and another. Like those skills are broadcast casting skills. Mm. Being able to co-present with someone that's a skill, mm. knowing when they're gonna start talking and when you need to stop talking, knowing how much talking you're doing. Like yeah. all of that is broadcasting skills. Whereas presenting, you can literally like just pick up the mic and spray. Mm. Like you're just, yeah. you're just, <laughs> you're just talking for the sake of talking. Yeah. yeah, like, and it, you know, there's no concept here of mm. how long I'm talking for, what I'm talking about, sandwiches, beginning, middle and end. I was terrible at it when I got to the BBC. Mm. I didn't know how to end my link. Sometimes I just start speaking and I think, oh my God, where am I going with this? And I panic. Oh my God, where am I going with this? I just start talking about plants and the next song's nothing to do with plants. And am I going to ask them, do they like plants? Is <laughs> there an action point? But where have I got? And you panic and you yeah. just press play on the next song. Then your whole link was just for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So now before I pick up the mic, I'm going to talk about plants. Do you know what? I walked into this room and a plant hit me in the face. The plant was leaning down, mm. hitting me in the face. It was mad. I actually hit the plant out of the way. Then I thought, oh my God, do plants have feelings? Have I just like, <laughs> have I just hurt the plant's feelings? And now I just feel so guilty because I know a lot of your plant mums out there and you're probably going to tell me that I'm just over-exaggerating here, but I need to know, double H for one, do plants have feelings? Boom, yeah. get into the next yeah, song. Yeah. And that is broadcast. And that's there. broadcasting <laughs> one-on-one, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I can't lie to you. Yeah, yeah. That's broadcast that's one-on-one. Crazy. That's sick as well. I mean, obviously you've got your hand in so many different pies from, you you know, DJing, you know, broadcasting, A&R. Is there an equal passion for each of those kind of facets of like your career? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. I would say there's equal passion. Um, some things you love more than others, but on different days. Mm. So if I'm in the middle of a campaign 
in the top 40, then we're racing to number one. Oh my God, I love it. Mm. The adrenaline, mm. it's crazy. I don't care what's happening at radio that week. I'm just getting by. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the bare minimum I need to do mm. to get by <clears throat> because I'm racing to number one. But equally, if the focus that month at radio is grime month or dancehall month, and the artists are just in studio recording, not really too much going on. They just, you know, need a little budget for styling, little videographer to come film their content or whatever. Like my whole energy is on how do we make this the best grand month that the network has ever seen. Mm. So it's balanced. It changes, mm. changes. Sometimes both things are happening at once. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I tell you, it's crazy. But with time, you just get used to it, innit? But you have to be 100% passionate about both things you're doing. I'll tell you why, at the record label, it's so important to represent your artist to the fullest. If an artist wakes up, I've got an artist who wakes up and the first thing they do is message me. What do I need to do today? What's going on today? Do you need anything from me? Their whole day is determined by what I say next. Mm. And even how I speak to them. If I don't say good morning before I start the conversation, I've thrown their whole day off now. Mm. You know, so you have to be really like aware how sensitive a subject, an artist and their art is. Mm. And so you have to be passionate. Like I won't take on an artist if I'm not passionate about them. And even like Parlophone where I work, they know it. They don't give me artists that I'm not passionate about because mm. when they text me in the morning, I'm going to look at the message. I'm going to put my phone back down and I'm going to get in the shower, have some breakfast. You know, paint my nails. <laughs> you know, like get, get ready for yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. My, I might reply by about like eleven, yeah. and then the reply might be like, "Oh no, nothing to see here today." It's like, don't give me artists that I'm gonna do that to. It's not gonna benefit. It's both not gonna benefit both sides. Mm. It's not. You've got to give me the stuff that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just not gonna work. And then the same on the radio side of things, like people. And again, this goes back to the presenting and broadcasting thing. Yeah, people don't realize how important it is to present a song to the world. Like, if say you've got a debut single and you're like, thank you, play a debut single. Then I'm like, yeah, cool. Here's Yemi's debut single. And I just press play on it. They cut that clip and they put that all out on their socials where you've just come with no enthusiasm whatsoever. Mm. You've just said, yeah, this is that. Whereas this is Yemi's debut single. This guy has been in the studio. He ain't even shaved. He's got a beard. <laughs> That's how much he's been grinding and grafting in the studio. He was working in Tesco's mm. to get his first 1,000 pounds to pay for this song. And we're going to take this song in right now because he grafted, bang, drop bombs. This is his moment, bam, drop bombs. I want to see your energy, your singles on the text line. If you're feeling this, bam, drop bombs. And I press the play. That clip there is going to change the perception of everyone who who comes and finds it. Do you yeah. get it? When, You're gonna make me run to the studio right now. <laughs> <Hold> that bang. <laughs> Grow out your beard. For real. <laughs> <laughs> but it, people will come to your page and be like, oh my God, she was really enthusiastic yeah, about sure. your song. Like if mm -hmm. she's that enthusiastic, maybe I should go and listen to it. Mm. So I have to be passionate about what I do at radio because if I present you and your art wrong in that respect, the next person's not gonna respect it neither. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like energy up for both. And when you're feeling like, you're not energy up for both. That's when you know you got you know you got to stand back and mm, mm. maybe not accept that premiere or not accept that artist. Mm. Do you have those days though? Like, all the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. I have a, I have a good team. Mm. I have a good team because mm. like, I was saying it the other day. Like, I'm a presenter. My job is to make you all want to get up and out of bed. Yeah. So on the days when I don't want to get out of bed, who helps me? Yeah. Mm. Like and. 
there are days like that where I'm just like, I don't want to do this today. I'm not interested. I don't care what this artist is doing. I don't care what radio want from me. Everyone leave me alone. I'm, I'm out. But I also have a son. I have a six-year-old. Mm. So I have to get up to get it. And he gets me up. So I'm quite fortunate. I don't know what that would look like for me if I didn't have a child. Mm. What would be my motivation to drag myself out of those spaces when they happen? But there are obviously presenters and broadcasters out there that don't have that. And mm. I don't, I'd, I've never asked. I don't know what they do to drag themselves up yeah, and keep yeah. them going when they feel like that. But it happens real often, especially over the past couple of years, because you've got to remember we've gone, you know, through a pandemic. We've gone through Black Lives Matter. Mm. We've then gone into what we're looking at now, war, you know, lockdowns. Like we've had a crazy couple of years. And my job was to go on air and pretend that none of it was really happening mm. so that you can have a release when you listen to the radio. Mm. So I'm carrying the weight of everyone. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone's looking at you for the release of the reward, essentially. And every other message is, I've got coronavirus. Um, my aunt just passed away from coronavirus. Um, I'm I'm outside the hospital because my wife's about to give labor to our first child and I can't go in because of coronavirus. And I'm seeing everyone's trauma mm. and I'm having to go. And the next song I'm gonna play is yeah. Yemi's brand new song, <laughs> his beard, but this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that stuff affects you. For like, sure, definitely. It affects you and then like, what, it, I remember there was a break where like um, Stormzy and Tion Wayne, I think went to Dubai. And so there was finally something to talk about. Oh, the man I'm in Dubai, this, that, 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 that. And then, it, and then we were told, no, you can't do that. You got to reflect the nation mm. and the rest of the world are not in Dubai and Ghana right now mm. because we're not supposed to be traveling. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, of course, this is not a release for the people who, Badly want to go on holiday and can't, but Stormzy and Tion went on, and yeah, I'm here yeah. hyping it up about oh what's yeah. going on in Ghana. Yeah. Looking excited. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my god, yeah, you can't. So you just have to be sensitive 24 seven. 24 seven. Yeah. 24 seven. It's difficult. It is. I can imagine. I mean, well, you you still do it like like great. That's you know right. I mean? yeah, you, you, and you and you convey a lot of like joy that you know a lot of people need right now, especially given the last couple of years. So yeah. you know, big up for that. I mean, generally like as you've been navigating through the industry and you're still quite young, um, how have you found it? How have you found navigating the industry? Uh, it's difficult. I think the thing I always ask myself is, are you not entertained? That's the one question I ask myself in everything. Are you not entertained? I've had times where like MCs are like clashing with another MC and then they bring my name into it. And I'm like, how did I just catch a stray? Or you lot's grimy, I'm not an MC. Like, then I just think, but are you not entertained? Like, are you not entertained? Like, tell the truth right now, are you entertained? Everybody wants to get name checked and in this track. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it depends on what, I think it depends on what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Depends on the stray you're catching. Are you, were you getting this though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you've some strays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you caught Yeah, plenty of times. Plenty of times. And the, the thing that's annoying is like, you can catch strays and it, it could just be a complete lie. Mm. Like someone could say something about you. Yeah, yeah. It's a complete yeah. lie and you're not an MC, so you can't reply. Can't say anything. What can I say? Mm. Got, am I supposed to go to studio and record <laughs> back and say this, or do I get on Twitter and do Twitter fingers, or do I go and buck you in real life? Like what you meant what to do? What do you do? Mm. Yeah. So it's like a proper head fuck because you're like, right, I'm not the, not the MC here. Yeah. So do I tell another MC to go and reply? Like, you know, what's he doing in situations? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. <laughs> what do you do in that situation? Or what did you do? I did Twitter fingers. Uh, oh, you don't. Okay. I did Twitter fingers. Yeah. yeah. I I got to a point in my career where I had to just stay off Twitter. I don't really go on. Twitter. I don't really tweet that much anymore because I, I really like got very near to ruining my whole brand mm. because. Oh, of, for real? Yeah, because I'm I'm like come outside. It's a draw out. <laughs> Twitter's a draw out. Twenty four seven. Yeah, and if if the only way I can speak to you and communicate with you is there, and I want you to come outside, I'm going to tell you on Twitter come outside. Mm. But. 
the the rest of the world doesn't necessarily need to know that that's what we're on mm. at that time. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, in my early. You don't days. need to be South London to the whole world. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Keep that in sometimes. Exactly, but if yeah. it's your only medium, then you're gonna use that in it. Yeah, but then yeah. you don't want people to be scared of you. You don't want people to think that you know any little thing you're gonna blow up and mm. take them outside or whatever. You don't want that. That's I've been there where I, there was a period of time where I was like. I would walk into rooms and I'd think, oh my God, I think they're scared. Mm. And I used to wear all black as well. Mm. And I used to bun. So I used mm. to be high all the time as well. <laughs> so I used to walk in spaces and then I thought, on reflection, I thought, people are scared of you. You don't want people to be scared of you. That doesn't make sense. Mm. It's not what you're here to do. Mm. Stop mm. all this. And so I had to stop it all. And part of that was not tweeting and not retaliating mm. to things. Sorry, I forgot your question now. I just went off on this own little Oh, <laughs> have, you found, have you found the journey? Have you found navigating Yes, the are you not entertained? <laughs> Woo! That's the question, boy. Are you not entertained? Like, when mm-hmm. things happen, I just have to ask myself, are you not entertained? Because the the, the industry is a, it's a horrible place. Mm. It's a real bad place. What, I do these- A lot these, of people say that. I do these things called Girls Talk and these pro- programs called Next Step. And the other day, and even more so recently, I've been asking myself, do you really want to do this? Because you're mentoring people to teach them how to get into this industry. Is that the right thing to do? Should they get into this industry? <laughs> Because mm. it's not a nice place. What mm. are you driving and steering people into? Mm. Would you want your son to be in this industry? So recently, it's something I've been thinking about a lot mm. because it's toxic. It's twenty four seven. It's like it's it's a proper head fuck mm. because it's toxic and it's twenty four seven. And I think if you don't have like your own safe space and your own friends and your own family, and you don't know that it is an entertainment industry that's just about entertainment, you you know you know not to take it too seriously you will fall off very quickly. Mm. Like the amount of people I've seen fall off because of mental health issues, because of feeling lonely, because of feeling attacked, feeling accused, like feeling back against the wall, feeling like, you know, council culture, like all of these, feeling used, like mm. all of these things or feeling like they're not good enough, for example. Like I was talking to SLE the other day and he was like, oh, I was thinking, should I just quit? And I'm like, what do you mean? You're the greatest. Like, mm. But it's like, I've been trying and trying and trying. And, and I'm like, oh my God, I hear it. It's like a dent in your confidence. Every mm. job you don't get, it's a dent in your confidence. You know, every, t- every sh- song that don't stream as well as the next man, it's a dent in your confidence. Like every time you don't get chosen for something, it's a dent and it's a public dent. The whole world sees that dent. Yeah. And you know, you got these lists, these one to watch lists and tip, tip in this and that. It's like every second is, a, is like a critique on you and you gotta be so strong to get through it. So yeah. like, I made a decision early on that I'm not gonna do some of the things that it takes to be a, a public, to have a public profile. I'm not gonna skin out um, on socials. I'm not gonna keep this um, this like Twitter fingers thing up. Like, I'm not gonna do the things that c- create entertainment, like, you know, nudity and, yeah violence and all these things i'm just not on it i'm not going to do it mm. because that's not who i am now i was never nude but <laughs> <laughs> if i like you know like bikini pictures yeah, or whatever like yeah. i made a i made a thing point early on to myself that i'm not going to do those things and then i got to a certain age and i thought wait why not if you want to be rude and you want to skin out you should be able to but it's like no actually you can't because of the position that you play mm. in what you do and there mm. has to be someone who represents the girls that don't mm. so you've always been that person. You need to kind of, I guess, continue to, to be that person and follow through that. If you break and then you start doing all the things that will get you big social numbers, all the girls that have been inspired by you over the years for not doing it are going to be like, yeah. oh my God, so now I have to break too. Yeah, yeah. So it's- It's about being the change you want to see, right? Yes. And that's why mentoring the next generation is so important because you're doing your part to try and make the industry a better place for them. Yes. And then hopefully, you know, I have that two more can do it and then the next four that they mentor and then 
yeah. the kind of domino effect that way. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, it's kind of like the Lord's work in a sense, like trying to make, <laughs> trying to unmuddy the muddy yeah, music yeah, industry. Yeah. Um, what about navigating the industry as a black woman in such a male dominated industry? What, what's that like? That was actually easy. Really? Oh, that was real? the easy part. Okay. Oh, God, yeah. So Live Magazine, they used to bring us to like 10 Downing Street. They used to bring us to their sponsors and be like, black person talk uh, and that's how they used to get their money mm. we would tell our stories to white tokenism rooms yeah mm. and they would give us money and it's not something i frown upon either because that organization needed to exist and it's so mad that it doesn't exist anymore mm. because we, we it created san anderson's jamal edwards used to go there julia mm. zanuga used to go there if i list Person. off the people that started at live magazine like the fact that it's not any there anymore means you wipe out a whole generation of mm. us like so I was never mad that they did that, but what it did was it, it enabled me to not feel scared in those rooms mm. and realize that, hang on a minute, if these lots can get money from telling my story in these rooms, can't I tell my story in these rooms and get money? Mm. So then I would walk into places and be like, you need a young black woman from South on your campaign. Mm. And this is how much it's gonna cost you to do that. And sometimes I'll be like, no, we don't, this, that, the other and the third, and I'll challenge it. And then it'd be like, ah, oh, actually, yeah, we do need that. So I ended up taking on so many jobs just off the fact that I'm a young black woman mm. in these spaces and you need someone like that. What I got sick of was then actually turning up for work and just not having anyone who looked like me in mm. the room and almost just having to put it on. You know, like you have to put it on a bit. Mm. And I was thinking, one day I was just thinking, no, I'm all right, you know. <laughs> I'm all right. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah. But if I chose to walk down that, that path, there are, I could name you 10 organizations now who are making dumb money from black music mm. who do not have one black person working for them. Mm. That's most of the industry. <laughs> That's a lot of spaces, yeah. 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 I could walk into any one of them places now and say, cut me a check of 100 grand, I'm gonna come work for you for a year and diversify your company and they would do it. Mm. So I've always seen it as a power. That's always been yeah, a yeah. superpower. And I've loved that. I love walking into these rooms and making people feel uncomfortable. Because <laughs> it's, it's really uncomfortable. Talk that shit. Yeah. They need it, don't they? Yeah, like, they need didn't think that this was a thing. Mm. And that you've never been challenged for it. Like, And it makes me look at everyone who works in the organization funny. I remember I was managed by one company. I'm gonna say the company's name, yeah. I was managed by one company, yeah. Every year they put a picture up on Christmas and every year they put a picture up on um, International Women's Day. And they always make the pictures black and white because they don't have any black people working in the company, mm. but they manage me and loads of other black people. And I thought, oh my God, I can't be represented by you. Mm. <laughs> Actually can't. That's and why is no one in here? Why did none of the employees say, don't you think we should employ a black person? Yeah. No, because everyone's out for themselves. They don't care about you diversifying a yeah, company yeah. or employing a black person. Like just do, even just do it just so that the picture has one black person in it. Like just, you know, like just try, at least try. <laughs> they weren't trying nothing. I'm saying, oh my gosh. So that's always been my superpower. And I encourage people to use it as a superpower. But unfortunately when Black Lives Matter um, was at its peak, a lot of people realized that they could get jobs from doing that. Mm. Yeah. But what then happened was they weren't qualified for the jobs. Yeah. And then it makes everybody look bad. Mm -hmm. So that's where we ended up with that, I feel. And now I think, obviously, as we're not talking about Black Lives Matter as much anymore, mm -hmm. these organizations are now filtering out the Black Quietly, people. yeah. Quietly. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of unfair dismissal cases <laughs> arising. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going back to the norm, yeah. Mm. Crazy. But it was, yeah, superpower, I think yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah, okay. I hear that, I hear that. I mean, and that's why, you know, Having a position like you do at Parlophone and within the, the kind of label system is also important as well from a perspective of someone who is black and young and trying to get into the industry because they can see someone 
like themselves in those spaces mm. that are kind of trying to enact change in that respect. Um, what are kind of like your tips for anyone that's listening that wants to kind of follow a path into the music industry? I think you have to just do it. Like me and Julie had to just do it. Like we really had to record a radio show on her iPhone, send it to the laptop, put it in garage bands. You know, I really had to work in McDonald's for a month to get that phone to do that. We really had to email it to some generic Rinse FM email address. We had to do that. When we was creating our websites, me and Julie had to sit down and learn MySpace HTML, then use that MySpace HTML to learn how to work the back end of WordPress and Blogspot to create our websites. We really, we, I mean, we borrowed Jamie's camera, took pictures of each other <laughs> for the photos, but we really had to build our websites mm. from scratch. You, you, I could build your website now. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. I know how to do that. Like Julie had to get Photoshop with a student um, discount and we had to learn how to use Photoshop. Mm. Like I know how to use Photoshop, not the mobile app one, mm. Photoshop. Photoshop. There's no shortcuts, you had to do it. I had, you had to do it, <laughs> yeah. do you get it? So I got here because I had to do it. Yeah. I had to learn all these things. Like I really had to PR Ed Sheeran's project. I really had to introduce him to artists, get him a studio. We shot two music videos from that collaborations EP that are never coming out because they were so whack. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we really had to go and do it. Find yeah. videographers, find locations, this, that, the other, go scouting, looking for this um, um, extra person to be in a video. This can, please can we shoot a music video in your calf outside? Da, da, da. We had to go and do it. So now people come to me, even my president the other day, bless him. Yo, Sai, like, I could be a sick A&R. How can I be an A&R? Can you get me a job? No. <laughs> Go, you know all of the man them who rap in Croydon. Mm. Go and make them rap. Go and go to work. Get yes one grand. Go to the studio. Give the engineer the one grand. Tell your brethren to come and rap. Get a beat off YouTube if necessary. Make them rap. Put a song together. Get it mixed and mastered. Come and send me four songs on SoundCloud and say, yo, I just took the next 10 hottest yeah. rappers in Croydon, put them on three tracks together. Here's what the tracks sound like. Here's a little bit of information on who the artists are. I can be like, okay, let me go and play this in the part of an mm. A&R meeting and see what mm. everyone thinks. We've got something to work on as well. We've got something to work on. Mm. Oh, you were to go and say, hi, president of Parlophone. <laughs> I've got this friend <laughs> who always puts me onto music and he wants to be an A&R. Yeah. And the president's going to go, yeah, man, bring him through, let's yeah, give him a job. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like that. A lot of men expect handouts as well, just because you're brethren's. It doesn't work like that. Mm. Like you go and do the job. Like, oh, Sian, how do I become a radio presenter? Go and present. Like you literally have everything you need mm. right in front of you. You can hold up your phone right now, talk into it, put it on multiple mediums on the internet and your presenter. Look how many people who are now presenters started just by ranting through their phone. Mm. Well, most of them, lot, yeah. <laughs> most of the ones that are getting all the jobs right now just used to rant on their phones. And now they're actual presenters. Bro they've got broadcasters in their bio, presenters in their bio, mm. just from talking through their phone. And not in a dismissive way. Yeah, Like they talk their shit and they did their thing. And now they're in a powerful position because of it. Mm. So it's like, don't ask me who's 15 years in how to be a presenter. Mm. Go and present. Yeah, Like use TikTok. Talk your shit. Use YouTube. Mm. Talk your shit. Just do it. It's easier now more than ever as well. More than ever. You don't have to learn Photoshop and MySpace HTML. <laughs> you don't have to you do don't that. To, you, don't that to be you don't need to do that. Nope. Like it's so easy now. Just go and do it. And that's I've, when I'm doing the seminars and, and all my mentoring programs, like, that's the one thing I'm trying to tell everyone, please just do it. Why are you coming here? You ain't done nothing yet. 
what do you think I'm going to do it for you? I'm not going to do it for you. Go and do it. Then come here and say, right, so I've recorded this podcast and I was wondering if you could listen to it, check it out, give me some feedback. Then come to me, you know? Listen, but don't be afraid to put the work in. You have to put the work in. Mm. You have to, but it's, uh, it's sad because like I said, there's an error of people who didn't put the work in. And so now it looks like you can just exist. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. get the job. Yeah, so sure. it, it, that's made it a bit difficult. Mm. But, um, yeah. but, they, but they, like, the real hard work always rises to the top. Like the cream rises to the top always. Like obviously with you as well, you've been grinding for so long and yeah. you're seeing the dividends. Yeah. Not everyone that is here because they, for whatever reason, is going to be here for as long as you are. Yeah, they get five years. Precisely. That's what I've noticed. They get five years. Mm. There you go. I don't, I don't make the rules, but the <laughs> ones that came and didn't know what it was doing, they had five years and they, they, you don't hear from them again. It's just, I don't know what it is about five years. But Does working for a label affect how you hear music? Um, I think radio more so, not okay. the label. Because um, you can't really tell me nothing about a song. In what way? In what way? <laughs> like, you can't tell me if I like the song or not, or if I think the song needs a trumpet or drums or any of these you can't tell me that mm. I, like i hear my own frequency mm, mm. so i'm gonna hear a song and i'm gonna say here's all the things that i would change and that i would do you can say here's all the things that i would change and i would do cool mm. go and do that and then we can talk about it but you can't change the way i hear it and, f- and think about it does that make sense, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so i can't obviously i sit in these meetings and all the conversations about what needs to be done to the song what needs to be done what needs to be done and i can't like, mm. do, do you understand yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. ultimately, it's down to the artist as well. So, I unfortunately let these conversations go through one and out the other mm. because there's so many people involved in the process before I get to before, before we get to speak as A&Rs. Mm. So the artist has made a track. The person who's recorded the track has had their opinion. Mm. The person who's mixed the track has had their opinion. The person who's mastered the track has had their opinion. Then it's gone to the A&R mm. to have the A&Rs opinion. So by the time you go back through this chain of people. Mm. There's only four, five, six people that. There's so many people involved. Yeah. Right now, these day and age, you got engineers saying, "Nah, this song ain't coming out. This song ain't coming out because I don't like the way that it got mastered, mm. changed the master." Mm. That's why you was an engineer. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> of. Stay in your lane, homie. Yeah. Since when did they have the opinion that holds that engineer. much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the engineer. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. their opinion now holds weight. That like much it weight. Holds weight. Like <laughs> they're trying to be ARs. Literally, yeah. literally, and they're, they're right at the forefront with the artist. So you know, why not? They, mm. So everyone has their, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- like everyone feels important in the song. So for me, it's like, I-, I can say what I think and give my advice, but ultimately it's the artist and the producer. And then you've got the artist manager and the mm. producer's manager. Sorry, I forgot. You've got the artist manager mm. and then you've got their publishing companies too. Everyone's got an opinion. And there's so yeah, many yeah. voices. Everyone's yeah, got opinions. Yeah. So you can't change too many how cooks. I hear music. But way too many cooks. Radio and DJing, that changes how I hear music. Because mm. I had to learn the hard way because I learned how to DJ like on Rinse FM mm. live. Skillion would be like, oh, push the fader up, push it down. Oh yeah, you got it. It's mixed, it's mixed, it's locked. Oh wait, push the wheel. It was like that. It was, it was very, very funny. Then I remember I did my first booking in Rinse FM and I tell you, I was at home with the vinyl and I practiced, 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 practiced. I was like, yeah, I've got it like i know exactly what i'm doing got into fabric every song sounded different i was like what is going on here because the speakers in my house are not the same as the speakers yeah. in fabric so i'm hearing things kicks and sounds in the in um in the speakers in fabric that i didn't hear in my bedroom so the mm. whole set was shit mm. like in my opinion it was the most like clang is the wrong word because the, the, everything mixed how it was supposed to mix but then there's sounds coming out that are just throwing like throwing everything off. I was like, it's not flowing. Yeah, it's not yeah, smooth yeah. how I want it to be. Like it wasn't smooth. Yeah. Then I said, oh my God. So I said, cool, I have to go and DJ in every club in London. I need to hear 
all the different sounds. Mm. So then that is what's made me feel like that about music and like critique the way I hear music. And then I'll go and I'll DJ and then I'll come off the decks and I'll be having a drink. The next DJ will go on and then my ears are like this. Mm. I can hear everything. Mm. I can hear everything mm. that's happening, everything you're doing. I can hear, I can hear when you push the fader up. I can hear when you push, yeah, the, I yeah, can yeah. hear everything. And I'm like, I wish I could stop hearing this. Yeah, I yeah, wish yeah, I could yeah, stop yeah, hearing yeah, this. Yeah. I want to hear it. But equally, they can hear it when I do it. Cause I'm not like the best DJ in the world. Mm. They can hear it when I do it too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like, I think a DJ thing, more than an A&R thing, mm. like I proper critique their songs now. And like, sometimes people will send me songs. And there was one point I was replying to people and I just said, you know what? The song's not mixed properly. I don't even want to listen to this. Mm. So send it to me when it's mixed properly because mm. I would p- get a song, be like, this song's sick, put it in the BBC system, play it out on air. It sounds rubbish. Mm. This doesn't sound good. So I started to say, I want the quality of my radio shows to be top notch. I don't want you to send me your rubbish mix. Mm. And then I thought, saying you're taking it too far. You're actually taking it too far. Yeah, and then I had yeah, to, yeah. I had to chill and say, Cyan, stop, get out of people's business. <laughs> about their mix and master. Yeah, yeah, mm. Leave yeah. them alone. If you don't like the quality of the song, say that you say that you're not, you're, thank you, but mm. I'm, I'm going to decline this radio play mm. and don't play it. Don't reply and tell them to go and master the song again. <laughs> so like, when you're at home and stuff and you're listening to music, do you, are you able to switch off that industry mind and yeah. like the record label mind and just enjoy it i can't switch it off but i can enjoy it okay yeah i can't sw- i can't so are you still it critiquing it even when you're listening not critiquing i'm more like, so basically i'm more of a marketing exec like i do marketing at a and yeah but my my actual like most amount of hours has been put in in marketing yeah so anytime i hear a song i think about the marketing campaign mm. i think oh my god it would be sick if we just did this or it'd be sick if we just did that like i met an artist the other day and they said that they were they was gonna do um they was gonna make their project called do not disturb and i was like oh my god you know what we should do an escape room like your listening party should be an escape room mm. and then all the journalists and the djs have to go in the escape room then it's all stuff about you like all the questions are about mm-hmm. you and they can't get out of the escape room until they answer all these questions about you. And then when they get out the escape room, you're on the other side mm. and then there's drinks and food and they get to meet you and listen to the tape and whatever. And then he was just like, yo. I'm kind of sold on that. Yeah, like, but that's how my mind works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like Parlophone really, they, they just turn me into artist meetings because if they're trying to sign someone, I'm the person to put in the room because mm. it takes me 10 seconds to clock who they are really. Mm. And then say, cool, this was what would be sick for them. So that's what happens when I listen to music. I listen to a song and I think, and because of that, I don't like music videos. I do not watch music videos at all. You can't get me to watch one. Why? Why? Because I think they're all shit. (laughs) They're all pretty white to be fair. Especially on the UK side. Are music yeah. videos important anymore? You know, so so the crew music music videos, oh, they were the best music videos. Yeah, we were swell, so but like, yeah, for sure. So so the crew mystique, yeah. you know, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. they mm-hmm. actually yeah, really went, all, yeah. yeah. That's because we needed though, wasn't it? They went all out. Now yeah, we these like, videos, oh, they're tragic. Mm. <laughs> they're I had quite, to tell they're one they're rapper, what you say? I had to tell one rapper the other day because he likes to put storylines in his videos and I had to say to him, listen, respectfully, if I'm going to work on this campaign, stop acting in your videos. You're a rapper, you're not an actor. Like you're acting in every video and you can't act. So it's just making a whole video look rubbish. <laughs> Leave it to an actor, yeah. like just rap. And he was like, what do you think? Yeah. And it was so risky because I was thinking he might just bang me in my face. <laughs> 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 I was thinking he might be so offended. He might say, I don't want you on a campaign anymore, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. But I had to say it, had to. I was thinking as, yeah. a, as a marketing, as your marketing manager, I can't let you act in one more video. I cannot, yeah, yeah. I cannot. <laughs> if you're coming to me, you're si- if, you're, if you're signed to me and you've come to me to fix your campaign and make mm. it better and enhance it. Cause you don't know why you're at here and staying here. Mm. My guy, 
Stop <laughs> acting. <laughs> I have to say it to you. Yeah. If I don't say it to you, we're going to stay here. We're not going to elevate. But mm. the problem is you're acting in your rap videos and you're a rapper. Stop it. Well, to that point, how do you manage egos when you're doing that job? I think luckily for me, everybody knows who I am. In terms of the type of person I am. I yeah. mean, not who I am, but mm. everyone knows you come to Cyan for the tough love. Mm. You come to Cyan for the harsh realities. She'll tell you how it is. If you want someone to mollycoddle you, you don't go to Cyan. Yeah. You don't do that. So people that find me now or that I find, they already know that there's no ego in this. It's like, do we want to be the best that we can be or not? Because if we do, come with me mm. and we're going to have a success story because I believe in you. If you don't, I'm going to crack on. Like the other day, someone was asking us why we didn't sign, uh, try and sign a certain artist that everyone's trying to sign. And we, the team was just like, we just don't, we just don't think that we could steer this in the right direction. Like it looks like they're very dead set on what they're on. And it should actually be at this point, moving in, into a proper different direction. And mm. it isn't yet. And that's concerning. And that means that they're so in it, their own heads about how they want it to go, mm. that actually we'd just be a hindrance. So we just didn't ever offer or meet the artist. And we, we as a team was perfectly fine with that. Like we as a team was like, we, we discussed it and we was like, Do, should we, we even knew the, the artist. We was like, should we, and we was like, no, nah, you know, none of us was so passionate about it that we felt like any one of us could drive it to where it needed mm. to be because of the direction it was already going in. So we just left it. So, you can't come to me with ego because I'm not the one for it. Mm. Like we've got to leave our egos at the door mm. and we've got to do what's right for the project and the campaign. Um, but there are difficult conversations, like especially with the rappers, rappers and R&B singers, they don't like it. <laughs> the rappers and R&B singers do not like it. Everyone else, they take it, take it on chin and they, whatever it is that you need them to do, they crack on with it. Mm. But the rappers, it's like, all right, cool. Because because you know my man and my man and my man, and you've been certain from this campaign, this campaign, this campaign. I'm gonna do you get. It? Mm. I even had one rapper tell me the other day because I'm a woman, he, he's not offended when I tell him things that he would be offended if it was a man, because I'm a woman. And I was like, we're gonna circle back on this one. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 basically said that if a man said that yeah. to me. I'd find it disrespectful and we would get into it. But because you're a woman, Mm. you can say it to me. And I thought, oh my God, I can't wait to one day discuss this with you. Not right now. Mm. But we're going to circle back to this one day. And I'll explain to you every single way in which you went wrong in thinking that. (laughs) Your rappers are weirdos, man. (laughs) You say some mad things to me. For real. I mean, as an A&R and as a marketing exec as well, um, Talk to us about like a typical day. Like how would how how would you how do you go about finding artists that you might want to work with and represent? Um, what's the process behind that? I think my process is different to like every other A and R just because my my the way my I'm a consultant first of all and my job is split between marketing and A and R. So my typical day is split between both. Like I might be in a marketing meeting, then go to an A R meeting and whatever. But I think for a typical A and R, one thing I would say is they're always out. They are always out. Like my friend Kamali, um, she's an A&R parlor and she signed Hamza, Manilia. She is at a gig every night. And if she's not at a gig every night, she's at a party. Mm. Like networking, meeting people, listening to music, constant. Then she's in the office at 10 a.m. Like nothing happened. Mm. It's like constant. And then I think a lot of mornings for A&Rs is data. It's a lot about data. So, you know, between last night and today, what shot up in the charts? And then analysis, why, mm. you know? Oh, last night, um, 
RD was number 100 in the charts. Today's number one. What happened? Oh, he performed at Dave's show at the O2 and it was sold out. Okay, that makes sense. The math is mathing, you know? So a lot of it is like figuring out the charts, why they are, how they are, how certain people are cutting through the charts, what's going viral, where it's going viral, how important the space is that it's going viral because everything changes before. It was like, if it's doing more on Shazam, then that's that's a good indicator. Now it's if it's doing more on TikTok, that's a good indicator. So a lot of the mornings are like keeping up with what happened the day before and the trends and the data and the charts. And then I think the bulk of like any day for an A&R is actually like working on records mm. with the artists like at the admin side in it making sure you got the label copy making sure you've like actually jotted down like okay this person went to studio with this person on this day here's the track because one thing i find is i lose the music all the time because i download everything to make sure that at least i've downloaded it mm. you know retransfer links expire and yeah, the yeah. producer loses it this yeah. da, 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 the artist never downloads it then they come to you where's the where's the file i didn't mm. download it in time you have to have it so i will have maybe 30 versions of one song on my laptop then i have to work out which one is the final master <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah. like so it's like a lot of the days like organizing yourself making sure you've downloaded all the files making sure you've renamed everything properly like just making sure things are right for marketing so for example I had a song that got sent to me yesterday as, as the final master and it was just called the artist name spelt wrong final master and then what would normally happen is you would forward that on as an a r to the radio team to the a r coordinator the a r coordinator will send it to the radio team they will send that out mm. so when you load it on itunes it just says the artist name wrong and final master mm. as a dj that's my pet hate i want you to title your track properly so when mm. i open it mm -hmm. it's titled properly so stuff like that like just like clean like house keeping yeah. cleaning up you know like making sure that you know you've spoken to the engineer from the session like before you've spoken to the artist you've got the notes from the artist and how they felt the session went you're booking in sessions so there's a there's an admin part of it and then i think that the afternoon into the evening is more in studio hmm. you know that's when you're like in studio with the artist and you're creating records so it varies in it from actually being out socially to then being very data driven to then being very admin driven to then being in the actual room mm. where the music is made. Very glamorous and not glamorous at the same time. Yes, exactly. I hear that. I mean, what does it, from your experience, like how much, what does it take for like an artist that like you want to work with or you've been, you kind of see the potential to kind of put pen to paper on like joining the label and work with you? That's mm, a lot of things. I think a part of it in particular, I think it's the way our team set up, everybody has to be on board. So we've got like, Let's say myself, then we've got like Kamali in A and R. We've got Mike who manages Nige and he A and R's like for AJ Tracy. Um, then we've got a guy called Kosi who's just like a marketing genius. Like he's just done CK. Like he's what well, he's done a load of a load of records. It's crazy with it. So like we would tend to be the team that go and sit down with them and have the meeting with the artist. So if we're not all on the same page about the artist after, then we're we're not likely to go ahead really. Mm. Um, and so that's from an A&R perspective and a marketing perspective. We normally bring like, say Imran Malik, the creative director in to the meeting as well. So if Imran's like, yeah, no, I just, I just can't see it, like how we can get this person. If they're like, yeah, I want to get to Vogue and GQ and then he's coming to the meeting and then after gone, yeah, it's, we realistically, I don't think we'll get them to Vogue and GQ. Mm. And then they're like, oh, I want to, um, I want to do my listening party on the moon. And then Kosi's like, yeah, I don't think that with the, the way we've seen them in a meeting today, we can make it to the moon. Then they say, yeah, like I want a collaboration with Coldplay. And then Mike and Kamali's like, I just didn't see that. Listen, that music mm. didn't sound like mm. something that, like then we're least likely, we're likely to be like, let's not bother even yeah. trying to get to the next stage. But and like a lot of the time, 
if a song's doing good and it's performing well and we'll have a meeting with an artist they'll play us the rest of their music and if we all feel like what they're saying is in line with what we can achieve then we're like cool that our next step is always we go studio with them we always go studio with an artist just to see their creative process see what they're like you know do they bring 10 people to the studio with them do they turn up on time how quickly do they write and record is is it a positive attitude do they need alcohol and weed to get in a booth yeah. these little things will make a difference you know mm. and then so we, we like to spend a lot of time with someone in the studio then again management like do your managers know what they're doing or is it your bridging managing you <laughs> if it's your bridging managing you do we love them them enough because we have to mm. because we're going to be holding their hand through every single process um equally some managers have been in it for a really long time and they're absolute nightmares so it's like maybe we don't want to work with you because you're a manager and we cannot stand them. Mm. Like we know that they're just going to be doing the most and we're just not interested. So who are your managers? You know, who is your team? Who's your support network? All of those things go into the decision about whether we want to move forward with you. So like, when you see that something's been signed, like, or that I'm working on something more time is because like I've made the decision or my team's made the decision that we all know what we're doing here and we can all deliver here. And we all feel confident that we're all work, work, working towards the same thing. And the artist does. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, the artist and the manager can say what you want to hear. Then you get in the middle of the campaign and you realise that they were just saying what it wasn't. you... Because they wanted to sign on the dotted line. And then you're kind of all screwed. And it's happened quite a few times where you're sitting halfway through a campaign and you're going, this is definitely not what you sold to us. Mm. And I can't work with what you're now delivering me. And... Ah, and then that's at the point where it's like we need to drop you because if we continue we're going to spend too much money and it's also not going to work and we are not going to compromise because the compromise that we have to make is something that we don't believe in and never did believe in so when it doesn't work we've compromised it didn't work and now we all look stupid mm. so they're the unfortunate kind of circumstances and times of course so what have been kind of the success stories for you as far as like the A&R goes at Parlophone? Mm, it's a hard one really because obviously we did Dutch Valley and that was a massive success story in terms of we obviously took him from zero to mm. a top 10 tape in nine months through a pandemic like he'd never ever done a show. So that was good for us as a team because it was the first project we'd all kind of worked on together um, where we saw what happens when we put all of our brain power together and we move as one. Um, so that was crazy. But then obviously what happened with that happened with that. So it's like a bit of sweet success story, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and then, so my label, St. Music, also goes through Parlophone. So I had Alakai Harley and Version because I just love dancehall. But we was in pandemic. So there was only so far we could take the projects because... Like I said, the music video side of things, big issue. Mm. They are in Jamaica, versions in Jamaica. I'm in England. We're trying to shoot a music video with Jamaicans. <laughs> I'll leave it there. You just, <laughs> just imagine what was going on, yeah. right? I'm sending money to Jamaica to shoot these videos <sighs> and I'm not there to, mm. you know? There's a lot right, of Then right, I've got Alakai Harley, who's here with a song called Take It To Them, Dance All Tune. You can't be here, you need to be in Tivoli. Mm. How do I get, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'd done that song. It wasn't that song, it was a different song, but the point remains the same. Mm. You need to be in Jamaica. I can't get you to Jamaica because the I can't sign off on you leaving the country. We can't insure you to leave the country during this pandemic. If anything happens whilst you're out there, 
I can't help you. Yeah. So now we're here shooting videos in the cold <laughs> for songs that are. <laughs> so it was like, so, so it, they were success stories because they were as big as they could have been in that time, in that moment. But it's obviously bittersweet again, because we're in pandemic yeah. mode. So I think in recent years, you know, it's been quite difficult to have those kind of like success stories. And we really, like I said, shy away from like, you know, that like there's songs that are like, viral tiktok song yeah yeah that i put like that's not really our energy we don't really want those like there's there's a couple where we've had the meetings and then we've listened to the rest of the music they've got and then gone oh yeah we believe in this like we can probably like keep this working but there's also a lot where we're just like mm, this isn't the one so i think right now like the world's getting back to the way it should be yeah. and we're really like now going okay cool what's out there mm. that we want to sign but there's also just a lot of trash out there at the moment too so it's yeah it's, it's a difficult one did yeah. you did you have anyone that you could have signed but you guys didn't see it and then later on they became bigger no and that's because between mike kamali and myself and a, and a kid called mali who who works with us like mali's like i think he's like 21 or something and then kamali's like two or three years younger than me and so is Mike. Between the four of us, we're everywhere. Mm. We chat to everyone. We've caught knocked off every base. And because we have the weekly meetings, if we don't chat to everyone, we now do, you know? Mm. So like there's even a guy called Alex Pepe out actually. Big up Alex, because he signed um, Simba, he signed CK, he signed Ash Nico. He's like his own little secret weapon. Mm. He's mad as one of A&R's at Parliament. He moves mad. And he's got his finger on the pulse as well. Darm on the pulse though. Mm. So we will bring we'll see something called like the viral 50 charts he's already reached out to management he's already got a meeting in so there will always be the first meeting mm. always but it's after that first meeting where we go we probably can't you know and then we leave it so, so we've met with the, with some of the people who i guess have been like the viral sensations but we're completely fine with the fact that we didn't proceed with them mm. especially because right now unfortunately the money on these deals are crazy mm. the, like you're talking like 100 grand a single mm. certain times and it's like you're not gonna recoup. Like, mm. how, how do you <laughs> you recoup that? And they base like, it off that one single that's gone viral in it as well. Yeah, like because remember, like you, you might sign the song for hundred grand, you still got to spend about fifty grand on marketing it to get it out there. Mm. So it's like, how do you make one hundred fifty grand back off of this one song that's kind of kind of going viral? <laughs> it's scary, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it, are you in the business of looking good or are you in the business of making money? Which one do you want to be in a business of? And I think a lot of a lot of the labels have been successful over the years to have um, such a big budget that they can just afford to sign everything and see what works. But then what's happened is now their reputations stink because you've signed everything and you've got our 20 favorite artists there, but only one's working. Why is only one working? Because you ain't got time for the other 19. Mm. And then now the other 19 are complaining on their songs on the internet and now no one wants to sign to you. You know, so yeah. we, we haven't had... But the, the one that we had that we was pissed about was Unknown T. Okay. We met with Unknown T, wanted to do a deal with Unknown T, Unknown T wanted to do a deal with us. And then basically we took too long, was the bottom line. Mm. We took too long to sort out the back end of it. And then he went Island. So we're always bugs about that one because we love Unknown T to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have a good relationship with him. His managers are so lovely. Like that's the one where we were just like, mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That the one that got that's away. That's the one that actually got away. Yeah, that's the one. But then I never really feel like he got away though, because I feel like there's still time. There's always still time in it. Like yeah. if you're trying to have a five album career, like we're still here. <laughs> 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 Do you get it? When, yeah. when you're finished, oh, we'll, we'll leave back up soon. We'll yeah. leave back up soon. Yeah, that's the one that. Actually yeah, people got. label have good time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually the one that Salute got away. But outside of that, there's not been someone that we've kicked ourselves over. 
um, there's people who refuse to sign who we're all really good friends with. So we know when they do sign, it will be to us. But that unity one, that's the one. That's, that's the one that got yeah. yeah, that's the one that got away. So when an artist is kind of complaining or kind of at their wits end with the label, like, and they kind of, you know, do a rant on Twitter or just like express their displeasure publicly. How does the label then, from your experience, how, did, how does the label deal with that? Therapy. Therapy, we offer them therapy. Mm. Okay. Like immediately. I personally, when I see that, after therapy, will probably part ways with you. Because I think, I was having this conversation the other day, artists um, are creatives who are using music to express their art, right? So a lot of the time there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of trauma, and you think that that's gonna go away because you've wrapped it mm. or you've sang it on a song. And you also think you're gonna get all this money and all this money is gonna make all your problems go away. So then what happens is if you get halfway through and it's not happening for you, for example, I don't know, cause of the pandemic, so you're at home enough, it's happening. Those unresolved issues and traumas that you have, they just fight their way to the forefront. Then they're just there. No amount of money is gonna be able to save you here. Mm. No amount of studio time is gonna be able to save you here. The issues are just here. You know, so when they go on these rants, it's it's less about the label. It's more about them and what's going on inside of them and what they're experiencing. So for me, it's like, you need to go away and deal with that. I'm not gonna be able to help you. I can keep putting your songs out so the cows come home. Mm. I can't deal with whatever unresolved trauma you've got. I can't do anything for you about that. And it's a shame because the best artists are the ones with unresolved trauma. Like the yeah. best artists are the ones who are fighting for their lives. You know it, like they're fighting for their lives. They come to you, you're like, yes, I want to help you. Then boom, we're doing this, that, the other. I'm, well, now we're on a roll. Then you're making money, you're a celebrity, boom. And then one day you sit down and whatever triggers it, triggers it. And you're like, oh my God. And I want to have a rant and scream and shout yeah. everybody. And, da, 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 and it's always the people close to you that get it first. Do you get it? Yeah. So it's like the label did this and did that <laughs> and other. And the mad thing about the label is we never get back on socials and reply. We never say anything mm. back because why would you? Why would we? Yeah. You know, so then labels end up with bad reputations because artists tell what their side of the story is and no one, ever, the label don't come back and say, well, actually, here's what really happened. So it just gets left. I mean, it doesn't ever stop anyone from signing to the labels. <laughs> like it's that, it's it's a thing that's floating, like, oh, labels and whatever. Um, but actually for me, I, I want you to, I want you to go now. Mm. I want you to go and okay. I want you to re resolve your issues because we can't, if you get to a point where you feel like socials, venting on socials is the, is the thing that's gonna save you, we are all screwed. Yeah, That is not what's gonna save you. The internet are not gonna save you. Do you know why? Because are you not entertained? Mm. Mm. They're so entertained watching yeah, you have a mental yeah, breakdown. 100%. They love it. Oh my That's God, really you're going to post it on this blog, that blog. Oh my God, did you see what Michael said? Screenshot, send it to your friend. They don't really care. Mm. Oh, sending you love, Han, wishing you well, prayers. They don't actually care. Yeah. They love it. It's, it's entertainment for the day. You mm. are the talk of the day. Outside of that, you're still going to be going through and experiencing what you're experiencing. They're not going to set up a GoFundMe to give you money because you feel like your label's not funding you. They're not going to bring back the person who passed away that you've got trauma about. There's nothing they can do. So at the point at which you feel like, you can't speak to us and we can't help you and you can't speak to a therapist, a therapist can't help you, but Twitter and social media is gonna help you and having an outburst publicly is gonna help you. At that point, I know I can't help you anymore. Mm -hmm. And 
I, you know, I can't speak on the, the label because that's their own organization mm. in it. But on on my personal projects, that's how I feel about those things mm. because, and I also think that there's like a, like a thin line now between knowing that knowing the reaction you'll get when you do that mm. and actually really going through it. Mm. I think people know now if they say my label, this, that, and other on Twitter, they get a certain reaction. If they say my mental health, this, that, and other, they get a certain reaction. If you're really going through it, you will accept the therapy that we've put in place for you or whatever therapy looks like. You know, it's not necessarily actual therapy, mm. but it might be that, you know what, you need to take a break in the Canary Islands for two weeks mm. and... So now it might be that, you know what, you need to go and spend some time with your family or spend some time with your kids. It might be that, you know what, you need to go and lock yourself in studio for two weeks. And that, like if we're giving you the advice of what we think will help mm. and you're not taking it, then how much of it was you actually having issues versus how much of it was you kind of attention seeking? Yeah. Unfortunately, we get a lot of that. I say we as in me. I don't mean the whole label. Yeah, yeah. Can't speak for them. But I see a lot of that. Mm. Um which is unfortunate, but I can't, I can't, I can offer you therapy and tell you the ways that I can't work with you past that. Mm. I hear that. Fair and enough. I don't think it's fair to you. I don't think it's right to yeah. either. I think it's wrong when people continue to work with artists when they're visibly showing signs of distress. Absolutely. <laughs> that's 100%. crazy to me. 100%. That's the industry for you. That's what I say. The industry is mad. It's a mad, toxic place because they will, they'll carry on putting out your records. I don't care. Yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. And with like, social media and you know apps like tiktok basically making viral stars out of pretty much anyone these days how has at least in your view how has the role of the anr changed i don't think it's changed at all it's just that we've got another medium now that we gotta look through mm. that's all it really is mm. like there's enough like pink pamphrest was found on tiktok she was what bbc sound of the other day yeah. like you can't <laughs> it's just finding stars in it but mm. you're just finding them through another medium and again you go through the process you meet with them you find out what they want to do you listen to the rest of the music and you're like right you're not just a tiktok star you're actually you've got big dreams and we yeah, can make those yeah. dreams happen for yeah, you come yeah. let's go it's just but, up to you to gauge yes yeah, the same way that you would find an artist on instagram same way lma was singing on instagram for how long and then mustard found her or however that i don't want to say mustard found her, i don't know how they linked up i'm assuming he found her and then the rest followed mm. um maybe there was intros i don't know but you know she was i feel like justin bieber was even like yeah Usher found him on instagram on, on, on youtube i think on youtube I think it was on youtube him being like a busker just then people outside singing right yeah. do you get it so it's like tiktok is youtube tiktok is Insta. instagram mm. there'll be a new tiktok it's just another medium. So I don't think it's changed the role of the a and It's just added another layer, like another job is to check TikTok data and check what's going on on TikTok and sift through it and see if there's anything good there or something that can, you know, potentially be um, turned into star material. I hear that. Fair enough. I mean, I've seen around social media, the kind of a new kind of acronym for A&R, the arcs and retweet. <laughs> how do, how do you, as, as an A&R, how do, you, how do you feel about that? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, do you know what? Yeah, I sent it into the group chat, yeah? I saw Mimi, the blogger, she posted um, this video about, um, I think it was actually like that what you're talking about. Mm. And it, it was like some guy saying, what did she say? The most accurate TikTok ever witnessed. How to get signed to a record label. In 2022. I've seen this. It's a TikTok video when he... Like I like this one. Make sure to sing over the sample beat. Make it unoriginal as possible. And it will sound like this. Hey, baby, hey, baby, hey, baby. Oh, I like to let you know it's big, man. Yo, baby, what's love? Look here, banger, though. Don't do
The beat anyway. The beat anyway. The beat. So I sent this to the group chat. I said, this guy's talented. I say we sign him. I want you to know that no one has ever replied. <laughs> <laughs> They've all read it. No one replied. They don't think it's funny. Yeah. I'm the only person that thinks it's jokes. I think yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I think everyone else think, like, gets offended mm. by it. They're asking retweet thing. I think it's jokes because of course, like, tell us what's hot. Like, mm. why are you pressed? Tell us what's hot. Mm. I don't get why it's a problem. If you know an artist who's sick, Tweet the artist. Mm, mm. Like, I don't, how is how has that become a negative thing? Mm. I think obviously the joke about it is that people are saying that A and R's are exclusively finding artists based on yeah. other people sharing them. But if you don't want the artist to find an A and R, why are you sharing them? Why have you shared the artist? I don't get it. Mm. So I I thought that is banter and it's supposed to be banter. Mm. I didn't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't ever think that anyone was taking it seriously. Like that anyone actually thinks that that's what's happening because it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Not in isolation. Oh, yeah, it happens probably. amongst us also checking TikTok, us yeah, also yeah. checking Instagram, yeah. us also going to live shows. Of course, we're going to check Twitter. If, if someone <laughs> we respect, like if Face in the News tweets an artist, I'm watching the video. I want to know who that is because I know she's got a good taste mm. in music. I'm going to watch it. Mm. But she's also tweeting it because she knows I'm going to watch it. Naturally. So it's like. Yeah. It's the same thing as an artist uh, dropping something and then adding all the publications. Yeah, because they want that coverage, they want that attention. So it's scary, it kind of works. Yeah, it kind of works in the same kind of way. Yeah. Um, whether it's successful or not, it depends on the artist. But <laughs> I always thought Arsenal retweet was really funny as well, just because <laughs> there's a level of truth to it. But at the same time, <laughs> you're deeply minimizing what the thing is. But mm. you know, we move. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, what have been kind of like the highlights of like your career so far? Ooh. Oh, there are so many highlights. Um, I've got to travel loads because of my job to different countries and meet different artists. That's a massive highlight, um, massive, massive one. I don't think I would have been half the places that I've been to if I if I didn't do this. Um, Ed Sheeran campaign, always a highlight. Um, oh, there's so many things. Um, I don't know, like I presented BBC proms, grand proms. I was like eight months pregnant, wrote Albert Hall. That was a highlight. Because oh. a lot of things, yeah, I just, f I forget that I do them. And then when I think about them, I'm like, raw, you did that. That was crazy. What was you doing? <laughs> but that they're, they're highlights, isn't it? Like they're big moments. Um, You're not going to turn down BBC proms either. No, exactly. You know I mean? like, it was big. Mm. Um, DJing at Glastonbury. That's massive massive. highlight. That's flex. It's a flex. Yeah, it's like, a flex. Sometimes you just think, raw, like, how do, how do you get them calls? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you're just driven to a field and then you're just DJing at Glastonbury. It seems surreal. This guy is crazy. Um, so that's been a highlight. Having my own label, big highlight, because you've got to work damn hard to get your own label. To get a major to say, we'll fund your label and the artists that you think are hot, mm. that's like a blessing. Because like, no one asks me no questions. Mm. I say, this is who I'm signing and this is how much I need. Mm. They might try and like, get me down on the budget or whatever. But I never care because it's only the first week budget I need. If I blow an artist in the first week, get them to a certain point, no one's gonna argue with me about the next batch of money I yeah, ask yeah. for. So I don't go and say, I've got this new artist, I need 50 grand. I say, I've got this new artist, can I have 10 grand? Then they say, okay, you give me the 10 grand. The first week, it looks sick. Then I'm like, guys, if I have another 10 grand, we could do this. And we do this and then it's sick. Actually, you know what would be sick? Another 10 grand, <laughs> you know, like that. So it's sick having a, a like bosses who just like understand your vision, agree agree um, with your expertise and allow you to do your thing. I feel like I'm missing like bare highlights. Like. When, did you, when did you launch your label? 
Um, four years ago, but what? I never launched it. I soft launched it. I, I soft launched it in that I've released records. I've never said to anybody other than when directly asked, like in these situations that I have my own label and it actively releases um, because I just wanted to sell a million records first and then sing and dance about it. Um, oh my God, my biggest highlight was doing um, Wiley's album, The Ascent. That, was my, that is my career highlight mm, to that date. Big. That is my career highlight to date because I got him to turn up to every single music video. <laughs> <laughs> I used to trick him and it was sick. It was so nang. And he turned up every single one. And, and I always remember just feeling proud mm. because when I came into the campaign, they'd already had him um, for a couple of songs and he just wouldn't turn up. And he started up and it was just drama and palaver. Then they put me on the campaign and then I managed to get into every video with my little trickery. Yeah. And it was, but it was a known industry thing. Like this girl gets Wiley to music videos. Cause do you remember what the whole, yeah. like it was, it was a thing. Mm. Is Wiley going to be in this video? It's still kind of a thing. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it actually is. And I actually got him to turn up to all the videos and that was a massive career highlight because it showed me I'm Nang. I can do what others can't. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he signed to, he's been signed to every label, worked with everyone under the sun. No one couldn't get him to a music video. Sign Anderson could. But shall I tell you what I did one time? Oh gosh. <laughs> There's a video, yeah. And then we must have um, called all of his brethren to go to the video shoot. So we must have told like J2K, Manga, chip, gigs, everyone goes to the video shoot. So then on the day of the shoot, he always used to wake, um, wake up and call me at 5 a.m. in it. So he'll call me, yeah, nah, what you say, video today, yeah? All right, cause cool. this sorted, is that sorted, this sorted, that sorted. Yeah, yeah, it's all sorted. Well, all right, all right, all right. Then he'll text me, I ain't going. <laughs> then I'll, I'll be like, call me. He'll call me back, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going. I said, oh, all right, cool. So should I tell gigs to leave? What? <laughs> Who? Gigs, Gigs is at your video shoot. What already? He's there now. I said, yeah. I didn't know Gigs was gonna be there because I didn't tell you. But should I tell him to that he's wasted his day? <laughs> mm, no, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> All right now. All right, like, no. get, and then like what, what he would do? Yeah. So the second trick that I learned was he would find an excuse to leave. Mm. So he came to the shoot and it was a day. Remember in Vauxhall and a helicopter crashed on a nightclub. That was our video mm. set. So that's why he was like, I'm not coming. It's a bad omen. This crashed on our video set. I said, it's fine. I said, by the time you're due on set, the helicopter has been moved. The whole place has been screwed mm -hmm. off. Like, And it's even better because now people can't get in and out of the site without being a part of our video shoot. So you don't have to worry about anyone pulling up or whatever. That day, yeah, I knew that he he might come see gigs, chat to his people, whatever, and dip, yeah. And he has excuses, reasons why he dips, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get every single drink every single food, every single weed, every single everything, yeah? So that when he says, oh, no, I'm leaving because I want some food. McDonald's is here, KFC, Nando's, Chinese, whatever you need is here. Oh, no, I'm leaving because I want drink. Ciroc, Henny, wine, <laughs> champagne, everything. Oh, I'm leaving because I need to go and get some weed. There it is, like, yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I felt so nang, like, and he tried every which way. Yeah, you need a gold to get out. For that one. In the end, he literally just walked out and because <laughs> he, he couldn't, he couldn't reason with anybody. Yeah, he couldn't, yeah. there was no, but by that time, I'd got everything I needed for yeah. the video, like, all the scenes were done. And he gave up making excuses. <laughs> yeah, 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 he, yeah gave he gave up. up. He, he gave up. Now. Yeah. Yeah. He gave up. So that's, that's one of my career highlights because I just think, Cyan, you are such a G for that. Like, <laughs> you did what no one else could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got this guy to, I think it was like four music videos. And then it all went to shit because he must have been like all right i'm only doing a picture for my album if we go jamaica and i was like 
Wiley was really out of control. Out of control, yeah. <laughs> so I must have said, all right. So I said to the label team, look, he wants to go to Jamaica. But he'd done something fuckery to them the week before. Like, I think he leaked a song or whatever. So they wasn't, he wasn't in a good books. So I saying, look, Wiley wants to go to Jamaica. That's the only way we're going to get a picture for the album. He needs to be on the album cover. I did my speech, whatever. They're so like, fine. But begrudgingly, they didn't want to do it. Like, fine. Yeah, so you got to bring Ice Kid. you got to bring Manga, J2K, Scratchy. You, you should be the whole road deep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going. And I thought, okay. So I thought, let me humor him. Cool, I'm bringing him. All right, cool. Good luck finding Ice Kid. And I thought, huh? Then I thought, oh my God, how are we going to find Ice Kid? <laughs> 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 I had to find Ice Kid. I actually found Ice Kid. Like, got, got, booked them all flights, said yeah. on this day, meet us at the Warner Building. It was early in the morning. They had to meet, meet me as well, like 6 a.m. or something, 7 a.m. or something like that, in the Warner Building. So everyone's come now, yeah? With their suitcases. Mm. I ain't coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's out of control. They was all like, oh, we knew it. We knew it. <laughs> we knew it. Yeah. They all day was so pissed off. Like they left the Warner Building. And um, they, yeah, they were so angry. Oh, so no one ended up going for real for real? No one went. Damn, damn. We couldn't go. He didn't go. Yo, how do you even control and someone? Should I tell you the worst part? When he said he wasn't going, he was in Cyprus. Obviously. <laughs> He flew. I can't like this joke there somewhere. Knowing that we was waiting for him to go to Jamaica, oh we sat in the boardroom for hours trying to get through to this guy to find that he got up and flew to Cyprus. He's probably doing that <laughs> that that laugh that he does as well, that mad dastardly laugh. Like, <laughs> 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 While all this is happening, yo, Wiley's that. Like, he's a villain, man. Yeah, he's a villain for real. He's, he's a villain. He, he was a villain. He's the joker. He's wild. He's a villain that day. But. You did bits. Yeah, so that, that was that was yeah. big highlight. Nah, I hear that. Hey, what would you tell younger you? Uh, get, get an accountant and a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all younger me needed to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get an accountant and a lawyer. Like, yeah, because mm. that that those two things, you get burnt by that, and it's mm. hard to come back from. Mm. Would you do anything differently? Lots of things, lots of things. I would apply more patience. Mm. Definitely, I think I've. A lot of people feel like I could have been more patient with them. Mm. I, d I definitely know that and I'm aware of that. So I definitely would have applied more patience. But I think because everything's like all systems go mm. all the time, boom, 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 a lot of time you have a lack of patience, which, is, you know, some people call it like tough love. Like, oh, she's very tough love. But actually it was lack of patience. I didn't have time to really sit down with, with you. Mm. So I just quickly told you straight what it was. <laughs> and it might not have been the nicest thing that you wanted to hear at the time. Yeah. I could have maybe softly delivered it. But soft delivery comes from actually sitting down and taking time mm. and you know massaging yeah, people yeah, yeah. and then making them think that it's their idea mm. instead of going just go therapy but like yeah, instead of directly saying go therapy mm. i could talk to you for an hour mm. and at the end you go maybe i should go therapy mm. you know mm. Mm. so i think i could have applied a lot more patience to people um because i think people would think i'm a lot softer mm. um i had someone say to me the other day i've been spending a lot of time with my friends and it's like a work friend. And um, they said to me the other day, Ra, you're a completely different person at home. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're just a completely different person, like, than, than who you are in the office. And I was like, Ra, like, but then I thought, what's happened is, because I never want to be two versions of myself. And I thought, what's happened is, I'm now a mum. So I'm a lot softer anyway. Mm. And when I'm at home and my son's there, you see me being mum, mm. cooking my food and being a housewoman, you know? Yeah. But then in the industry, because from day one, I've had to get pushed in front of white people to say, here's your black story, I've mm. always been tough. So as soon as I step up my house, I'm tough me, mm -hmm. because I have to be, because I'm fighting for survival mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Like I've been from day one, but just not realized it. Mm. Um, so definitely 
would have just been a bit softer. Mm. Could have been a, a, a bit softer. But it's not like a, a huge regret thing. But I would have told my younger self it, yeah. You think you would have got as far as you have if you had been softer? Oh, no. No, there's some lovely women out there in this industry, lovely black women mm. who are just hit a glass ceiling because they're so nice. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I want to shake them sometimes and say, just switch, <laughs> switch on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Show them that you could not be nice and then they're st- and stop taking the piss out of you. Mm. Um, but you can't tell someone to stop being nice. Yeah. That's a mad yeah. thing yeah. to say. You can't. You can't say That's a mad thing to say. There's some women I look at and I think, I wish you just switched one day because you have not reached your full potential. People are holding you back mm. because you have not just told them straight how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Who are some of your favorite rappers? Like, give me your top five UK oh, yeah, and US. I thought about this. I can't. No? Nah? No. Nah. Not at all. Because you know what it is that I loved about rap? Errors. Mm. I loved errors. So like, I love um, Cameron and Joel Santana together. Okay. I love 993 to 996. Okay. I love Ja Rule and Christina. Um, Christina Million, Million yeah. together, that era. I love um, a certain era of Eminem, mm. like Stan. Mm. Like I used to, like I used to listen to the rap. I was mind blown. Yeah, mind yeah, blown. We're, we're big fans of Eminem on this podcast. He's taking a piss. You don't like Eminem. He's taking. Who oh. don't like Eminem? In my, I don't adult, mind Eminem? in my adult age, <laughs> I couldn't listen to Eminem. So. That's all I've said, by the way. That's literally all yeah, it is. I couldn't. I couldn't. No, you said he's been making whack music for twenty years. Yeah, that's my adult years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but <laughs> that's why I don't I'm sorry. Yeah, like, it's the same. Like, yeah. I, but when I heard Stan, Toy Soldiers, all these tunes, I couldn't believe that like, he was getting away with saying these things. I couldn't mm. believe that you was allowed to say these things. Like, so that used to spin me. Like, Little Kim, again, I can't believe you are allowed to say these things. You used to spin me. Like, I'm a fan of all the people that did it first, basically. Like, yeah. I could not be a fan of Nicki Minaj, for example. Like, it's because I feel like like the things that you're saying more time has been said in a different way. Mm. It's come, I feel like it's come from some, like someone else somewhere else. Like I could be a fan of her. I could be a fan of Cardi B. I could be a fan of all these things, but the, the, I can't be a fan of this era. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Does, does that make sense? Mm. Um, so like, I don't know, like Twister, Overnight mm. Celebrity. Um, who, who's like, who do I stand? Um, I just, yeah, like Little Wayne, mm. you know? It's, it's definitely an era of rap as opposed to like particular rappers mm. because I, I listen to lyrics like papoose like mm. our proper you Rawr. know i listen to like um say for example nipsey hustle mm. um and he and you he's not even my favorite rapper but i you can't not be mentioned in my conversation of favorite rappers because they're yeah. error yeah, yeah, yeah it's a moment in times a moment in times and what what he means to me and what his music means to me like i always fight the jarrell fight over the 50 cent fight even though i know it's a losing mm-hmm. fight mm-hmm. but yeah. just because i grew like i grew up on jarrell before i grew yeah, up on yeah. 50 you know it's a jarrell fan club over here is it? I'm because I love we love Joe. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's a fun I love him. Fan. Love him. And then, obviously, UK wise, I've grown up on South London mm. grime, innit? Mm. P Money, Little D, mm. Blacks. Mm. So you get it, dubstep as well. Um, Maxstar, cold mm. guy. Mm. I didn't know the Maxstar. She's from Raw Schools, mm. cold guy. A lot of these people are before their time as well, which is like super unfortunate. Like, super unfortunate. Um, Footsie, mm-hmm. DWE. Like it's it's definitely errors for me. Like, I did think about it and I did try and narrow it down mm. to five, and I was like, it's just impossible. Mm. Like, and I, I I would almost be lying as well if I said, oh yeah, Jay Z is my favorite, and <laughs> yeah. so Wiley my favorite. They're not like, the, but the era in which they was, yeah, that's my yeah. So I'm it sorry, I can't. Yeah, Special yeah. times. Cool. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what you, what area do you think produces the best MCs? We we've had this debate on the podcast a couple of times. 
We're from South, innit? So, but I still say East. What area? Yeah, area. Yeah. Oh, we already know what that is. No, we did. We, we already know what that is. It's Tottenham. I'm sorry, is your name Sahan? N17 to N15. I have to respectfully not answer this question. <laughs> 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 if I answer this question, I will not come back from it. Uh, yeah. But I, I will say it's been said. <laughs> All right, we'll move on then. <laughs> it's so, been said in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel you, feel you, feel you. So what's next for Sahan? Um, Yeah, my mentoring programs, really. Um, girls talk about mentoring talk for women. We're doing that at the moment, me and Kamali. Um, next step was a project that I did with the mayor of London before pandemic. So it was like 2017 I did that. Bringing that back in 2023. Um, I'm trying to become like the best DJ I can be. Mm. I'm really trying to level up as a DJ. That's one thing I never did because I was just having so much fun with it. I was really just having fun pre pressing play on my favorite tunes, but like, I really want to be a DJ now, you know? So now I'm actually actively practicing DJing mm. and, and my craft as a DJ. I've, I never really cared about it. It was more like the label jobs are my jobs and my radio is my hobby, but it's like, no, make DJing your job. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to like, now the world's opened up, actually like signing more projects and just seeing them through because it was so difficult during the pandemic, man. You would not believe it. Was just, it was just, it was a proper head fuck. Mm. Um, so yeah, more, more of the same in some spaces. And I've got a project that I'm working on that is absolutely nothing to do with the music industry um, that we'll see in about three years time. And I'm just saying it now so that I can go back in three years to see if I actually <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm going to buy a commercial property and I'm going to launch a restaurant. So oh wow! Inshallah, Inshallah, all the best Wonderful. with that. Touch wood and all that as Thank well. You. We're here for it. You've already got the cookbook as well, right? Got a cookbook out yeah. with my son. Yeah, Sian and her son. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's the first time I actually laughed about it. Actually, um, but yeah, I've got a cookbook out. We we just doing lockdown. You know, wanted to get some better meals in it because I was doing chicken nuggets and chips and and I thought, no nah, man, this is my time with my son. Yeah, like breakfast lunch dinner let's make something proper out of it so we started doing making meals together and my favorite meals are not necessarily all caribbean like a lot like a lot of japanese food you know italian you know just different things so it's like yeah. cool let's all the menus that we um we like all the recipes we like let's fling it into a book i was filming on um instagram like like i was saying like i couldn't do like when everyone we're not done having everyone started doing instagram djm mm. i was like i can't do it i didn't touch a deck the whole of lockdown, I couldn't bring myself to to do it. I just wasn't in a zone for it. Um, but I was like, I don't want to just disappear completely off socials. So I was like, what can I do? And I was like, right, I can film what's actually happening, which is me cooking with Elijah. And then people were like, I want the recipes. So I started sending out the recipes. And then people was like, oh, like we need a book, we need a book. It was uh, people's boyfriends was hitting me up because a lot of girls made the rice and peas recipe. And her boyfriends were like, oh my God, my girl made rice and peas. Like, you need a book. Da, da, da. And I was thinking, right, like you've actually gone out your way to message me because your girl made your rice and peas. I'm making a book. Mm -hmm. So we made the book. It got received really well. So like, like 600 copies. Jeez. Which was great. Nice um, one. So it's like a limited edition run. Um, so yeah, I'm about to sign to an agency um, who are also a publishing company. So we'll see about book two. 
Very dope, yeah. very dope. Well, San, we appreciate you joining us, man. Um, yeah. Very, very insightful, very insightful. So, very much appreciate you coming down. Um, congrats on all the success so far. Thanks. And all the future success that's going to come, inshallah. Um, how can people reach you? Uh, socials. <laughs> <laughs> Ask and retweet. Oh, <laughs> I see what you've done there. Socials. And it literally, San <laughs> Anderson. You know what's so funny? When people reach out to me on socials, I move the conversation off socials as quickly as possible. Oh, for sure. I move it over to my email so quick. Like, yeah, it has to, has to happen. But it is the first entry point. Yeah, it? Yeah. Like, so, um, at San Anderson on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really have TikTok and all the other stuff. I just mm. kind of keep it with those two. But that's, yeah, that's where you can find me. Sick. Reach out. Yeah, definitely do. Definitely do. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up there. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Mopia, anything you want to say before we oh, take the people up? Oh, thank you for joining Learned us. A lot. Honestly, learn a lot. Learn a lot. Yes, very much so. Very much so. You can enjoy the rest of that vodka now as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt it kind of licking me because of the lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, this lights. Like, yeah. But I can't lie, this was rushing in my head. Bro, I had my hat on. This was rushing my head. I didn't even notice it, to be fair. I've probably got a cap on. No, I had my cap on and I was sweating like, bruv. Yeah, I hear you. All right, well, thank you guys. Um, and yeah, from us, you'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Until then, take care, stay safe, stay blessed, and peace. Peace. Safe.